Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan... Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. I'm great, man. The Bears are one and one. We can sit here for the next three hours and talk about how it was fucked up. It didn't go as well as we wanted. We can dissect it. I'm sure we will. And there's so many things that that weren't right about it. But at the end of the day, would you rather be 0-2 or would you rather be 1-1? and And furthermore, what do we got coming up this weekend? Our Cleveland trip, which we've been talking about for months now. We've got a baseball game Saturday. We've got the Bears on Sunday, hopefully another win. I say hopefully. And um, hopefully the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on Monday. So there's a lot to look forward to here. So short answer is I'm fucking well. Yeah, you are psyched, man. You are ready to rock and roll at the Hall of Fame in Cleveland for the Bears game. We'll be at the Sox game on Saturday night. You're bringing your girlfriend. I get to watch you guys have sex. No. This is going to be awesome. 
Now you can watch us have sex, but she's not my girlfriend. She's my friend. She's my pal who has a vagina. <laughs> uh, what's wrong with calling her your girlfriend? Maybe she wants to fuck you too. Have you thought about that? Maybe that's what this is. Like one of those poly things. <laughs> poly? I never heard of that. Poly? Oh, that's what all the younger women are. I swear to you. If you if you ever get divorced again, you're going to be in a world immersed <laughs> again in shit. Where every younger person that's a millennial, that's their thing. Like I don't I don't use pronouns. I'm I'm non-binary, and basically that means they fuck whoever they want, whenever they want. Well then, I'll, I'll stand in line. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm ju- I'm just kidding. Brandy is a good woman. Uh, but we just, we're not committed. We're not, we're, we're, we're friends. No, well, that's great. Um, but there's nothing wrong with calling a girlfriend. You can have more than one girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to look at it that way, then yeah, I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm a hustler. Uh, that is great. Um, King Pookie Nation Alvarez wants to know if we're going to be vlogging our trip. I don't know what that means. Vlogging. Does that mean, Oh, like video, uh, sending videos over on Twitter. Yeah. We're going to do that. Absolutely. Fucking a man, everything except the sex part. We're not, we're not going to, yeah, yeah oh, that's <laughs> obviously clearly a joke, but uh, Randy doesn't want to fuck me and I don't blame her. <laughs> no, but yeah, we're going to do She's a way hotter than I am. <laughs> we're going to do a lot of stuff, uh, out there. Uh, man, we got a lot of activity in the chat room. <laughs> Uh, 4,000 Clovers, is that truly what non-binary means? I sincerely didn't know. That is. Yeah, they, they don't like to use pronouns and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, I, I don't, it doesn't necessarily go strictly to trans, but I think it's sort of in that realm right. where they don't want to say he, she, or any pronouns, man. They just, in my own head, I'm thinking, just say you're bisexual, but you just have to extrapolate further and further and further in to just more categorical analysis with this younger generation. I sound like an old man telling you to get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> I know. There is a character on the TV show. I think it's on Showtime or, or HBO, one of those two, and uh, the show Billions. And uh, she's a brilliant, and I say she, but I should be saying they, uh, which is weird because I'm talking about a single person, but uh, uh, the pronoun to be used, I guess, is they. Excuse me. Anyway, uh and she, now why? Why is she a they? Uh, that's apparently what is politically correct now for somebody who doesn't identify with just one single gender. So she, or, there I go again, they can have sex with a man, a woman, a, a, a trans. But is that bisexual? What is that? Well, I don't, th- I don't think it's limited to uh, people who identify as men or women. So it could be somebody who identifies as a uh, transvestite, transsexual. Uh, you have it. That, I, that's about all I understand on that. Joe Mandel tells me that it is on Showtime Billions into, I think, season three or four, episode two or three just came out. Excellent show. I just, when you say they, mm-hmm. I'm conditioned to think plural. Yeah, I am too. I, it, it's I, I don't know. I don't know. Part, <laughs> if I just say I suddenly want to be called she mm-hmm. just because I like it, but I still have a penis and I'm not even transitioning, whatever, just, I just like, I just like to be called she, but I'm still a guy. All right. Well, you heard, uh, you heard it, uh, here for, is, is that something that happens? Like, I, I, I don't want to sound like a conservative here. I'm just trying to, I'm <laughs> just trying to flick the jab and see what, 
<laughs> is 2021 standard on this? I, I don't know. It's all happening too quickly for me. Well, I feel like Clint Eastwood in a movie when he got old, you know, like <laughs> you're not allowed to say Asian <laughs> race jokes. You know? What was that movie but called? Still, like Gran the, Torino or something? Yeah, Gran Torino. But he's made one just recently that seems like it's the same movie, just a different setting and, and different the Mexico movie. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I watched that in the middle of the night at 911 last week because it was like, it's on HBO Max. It's in the theaters. It's Clint Eastwood. He's 91. He's still alive, goddammit. So I was like, all right, fuck <laughs> it. I'll watch it. I mean, to be 91 and direct and star in a movie, I mean, guy can barely walk, but he's doing both. So that's pretty impressive. But yeah, the movie was... Uh, <laughs> it wasn't very good. Yeah, his movies lately have not uh, appealed to me much. Brandy is in the chat room and says that Dan is a lesbian trapped in a man's body. So um, I do love to eat pussy. Yeah, I've heard that about you. Yeah, I do. And like, it's so like I don't know why it's like supposed to be one of those things like you lie about. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to like it. You know, it's just like it's not fashionable to like it. Like, why wouldn't I like it? Are, are if you... I'm a guy and I like women and I do. Why wouldn't I want to do that? That's bizarre. Yeah. First thing I ever did. The first fucking thing I did. I told you, June 22nd, 1995, my first day of ever experiencing a naked woman. I kissed her, blah, blah, blah. I played the boobs a little bit. First thing I did, I was like, I'm going straight down. I'm going to eat this bitch's pussy. And I did. And it was great. And then I jacked off for it for the next, like, two years, thinking about how great it was the two times I ate a pussy. So... <laughs> When you're 14, man, it's those things don't come every day. That's you know? right. No pun intended. But you did after that. <laughs> 4,000 Clover says he, he met the weirdest thing the other day at a bar. The, the weirdest thing. Uh, this girl told me she doesn't like men, but she bangs a transsexual with a dick, so he didn't get it. I, I think that was just purely she was brushing you off 4,000 Clover's. I don't want to touch one. that at all. So. <laughs> Yeah, we're into uncharted territory here at the Barroom Network. Now, this is normally like midnight, 11.30 p.m. talk for us on the show. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but uh, we're starting the show out with some vulgar stuff, so that works for me. All right, so let's talk a little Chicago Bears because I want to get your impression. You and I didn't get a chance to exchange texts uh during or after the game your overall yeah, impression i watched the game late that's why i didn't okay. uh, I, I did not want to know i had to work until eight o'clock that morning and i slept as late as i could so i think i woke up about 3 p.m mm -hmm. eastern time mm -hmm. and i started the game when it would in reality it would have been in the third quarter i started it and so i was behind so my phone was completely turned off oh, okay um, i didn't do if anyone's listening and wanting to know where the media thing is, like I normally do that collage of like 15 minutes of reaction, how the podcast on uh, Chicago radio are reacting to the game. The reason I didn't do it and the reason you and I really kind of haven't talked mm -hmm. about the Bears is the only story right now, unless I, there's something I'm not seeing, is, oh, my God, is it Justin Fields or is it Andy Dalton? And frankly, that story kind of bores me. I know we have to talk about it, but that's I didn't even listen to other like the radio this week at all because i just that storyline we heard it so much mm -hmm. through the summer that i'm just so done with it mm -hmm. i mean I, but my reaction was thank god because you have that big lead and, and matt nagy just has uh, a way of blowing leads because he's a terrible coach and so there you go again you have this comfortable lead it seems like a blowout victory the defense i mean it seems like a ditka game didn't that kind of feel like 
a Bears game in, say, 1990. Yeah, it did. That's a good point. It really did. Um, it, where the defense is still not great, but really good. Right. And the offense is, is, is shitty. That's the way it felt like during the game. I kept thinking it was like a 90 or 91 Bears game. Mm -hmm. But the 90 or 91 Bears wouldn't have let Cincinnati score two touchdowns in, you know, two seconds, basically, to make it a scary uh, proposition. But, again, I'm happy. I'll take the win. Uh, Heidi, you know Heidi from Mexico, right? Yeah, Heidi Zimmerman, yes. Yeah, Heidi's so hot, and she sounds like Penelope Cruz. She does. If she, if Heidi would talk dirty to me, I could probably jack off to her. I'm just being honest. Okay. If well. she just sent me a, a voice message, and I'm not, uh, you know, objectifying Heidi. She knows of my fandom for her. Mm -hmm. So, um, but no, Heidi was talking about on Twitter, and I didn't see this. I'm not saying Heidi's wrong in any way, mm -hmm. but Heidi was complaining on Twitter about other Bears fans saying that, oh, we should start Nick Foles next week. The hell with Dalton and Fields. And I didn't see anybody say that. She I've said, seen that. Oh, I haven't. Uh, she said she was really pissed off saying, how can you back, back out on the kid already? And I agree with that. Like, there's no way. Like, Fields struggled, but it was his first significant action in the NFL. I yeah. mean, he's going to be fine. Let me ask you a question that I asked uh, uh, Greg Gabriel. And... The question is, who was the best quarterback on the field Sunday, Bears versus Bengals? On Sunday, it's undeniable that it was Andy Dalton. But I will say this, too. Matt Nagy did no favors to Justin Fields when he came in. He has a different skill set. And how many play-action passes did we see with Fields in the game? When you got Montgomery running the ball really well, mm -hmm. despite the fact that Mustafer seemed to be having the worst game I've that I can remember mm -hmm. uh, with his blocking and – so, but still Montgomery is just showing you all the heart and the tenacity and determination that he has. He's running as hard as he can, but uh, the Bengals are king on that. So run some play action, some waggles. Like he did none of that. Again, it's just like, it, it's exactly the way he coached when Trubisky was here, mm -hmm. when you're not taking advantage of, of his skill set. And the only thing that saved us was, you know, fields, unlike Mitch wasn't afraid to run. Yeah. And, and thankfully that salted the game away. But to answer your question, the short answer is Dalton was probably better on Sunday, but fields would have been much better if they had just tweaked the offense to his skill set, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. There had to be, um, it, it was, it was interesting too, that uh, Jason Peters, the left tackle for the Chicago bears who played really well, surprisingly well, uh, on Sunday against the Bengals, he was talking about having to block for different quarterbacks because he's blocked for Michael Vick and for um, who was a more stationary quarterback of the two at the time. Um, darn it. I'm forgetting, but they, they had two quarterbacks. And so he's blocked for a scrambling quarterback. He's blocked for a quarterback like, uh, well, Nick Foles, that's, that's who it is. And so he says, you know, it's, it's totally different with, with uh, Dalton and Foles, those guys take their drop, whether it's a five or seven step drop, they, they slam on that back foot and then they move forward in the pocket. With Justin Fields and Michael Vick, those guys take their drop back and depending on where the pressure comes from, they're going to try to find an opening. And so the blocking has to be a little bit different. Peter says he's going to make some adjustments to his blocking to better suit uh uh, Fields is a game if indeed Justin Fields is going to start this week. So there's well, the a Bears PR said on Monday that Dalton's still the starter, right? Well, yeah, that was a very unusual event. Brad 
uh, Briggs asked the question, who uh, is starting Sunday? And uh, Nagy responded by, it's, it kind of all depends on the scheme. And so it was, what the hell are you talking about, the scheme? And so uh, they sent in the PR department back to the press room to say, Andy Dalton is the starter if he's healthy. So that's the question. And it was funny because uh, Rex Ryan saw that, and he said this on Get Up, on the ESPN show with Mike Greenberg. Come on, dude. Everybody in the world knows you you got to go with Justin Fields. And and I've been, I've been trying to think about, you know, I've never really been in that situation. I gave the – because I made the right call. Mm-hmm, I right. gave the rookie the start, mm-hmm. okay, it, it, several times. But it reminds me of when my dad was the head coach of the Eagles. Yeah. And – they had a the young kid who is athletic, talented, like this guy right here, Justin mm-hmm. Fields, a guy named Randall Cunningham. Sure. Instead, they had a, huh. a proven veteran in Ron Jaworski. All right? He had to make a decision. They made the decision you had to make. Yeah. Give Randall Cunningham the job. He goes on, wins it, uh, two MVPs for, for the uh, Eagles and one with the Vikings. That was the call. That's what – this is obvious to everybody except Matt Nagy. Pretty strong comments there from Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan loves to suck toes. How about you? <laughs> I used to when I was younger. Nowadays, uh, to just let me get in and out. <laughs> I would love to suck toes. I like it. But um, <laughs> anyone, yeah, Rex Ryan. Any I women? Agree in, his... Any women in particular that you 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 know, like Quentin Tarantino has a toe fetish, a foot fetish. Any actor? I don't have a foot fetish like that, but <laughs> but you love to. I suck can toes. think of some right now, though. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, tell me a toe or two you'd love to suck. <laughs> <laughs> How about the vice president? The vice president? Oh, yeah, Kamala yeah, Harris? Lady, you know? yeah. <laughs> I don't mean... Uh, who was our last one? The, the, the... Oh, yeah, yeah, Mike fucking Pence. Yeah, not thinking, that's the first image that came to mind. Mike Pence, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, with Rex, I the uh, Cunningham, I was thinking about Randall before you played that soundbite because I was thinking where Randall was the sort of the running quarterback and then he turned into a completely different player by the time he was in minnesota he was throwing the ball and as you know to moss and chris carter and was was slinging a rock not just running so i i don't want to label fields as a running quarterback because he could very well be like randall and run right now and then still put up you know four or five thousand yard seasons as he progresses Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah i agree like it feels like i could be wrong but I get the impression they're going to start Andy if Andy's if he's well. But of course, Nagy acts like everything is just, you know, well, we can't tell you who's playing nickel. We can't do this. We're going to fool them. We're going to be smart. We're going to make Cleveland sweat. Who's going to be the quarterback when they really don't fucking care? On paper, they're favored to win by probably 10 points. Mm-hmm. And they should blow us out. Hopefully they won't. Hopefully the Bears can get an upset because Cleveland does have a propensity for failing in the clutch, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can exploit that. But I don't think he's going to tell us until probably Saturday or Sunday. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was Dalton because if Fields goes in and struggles again, people are going to point the finger at Nagy. And he doesn't like that. The, his his whole card is to say, if the Bears suck this year, is to say, but we've got Justin Fields. and But, but, but what about next year when I can coach Justin Fields up? Mm-hmm. If he has a season like, say, Mitch did in 17 Foxes last year where he shows some promise, but the Bears suck, he could still lose his job. Mm-hmm. 
So if Fields goes in there and has a couple more bad games with things like rhythm and false starts, then people are going to put point the finger at Nagy, and he does not want that. Well, that's an interesting thought because Mike Florio was on the Rich Eisen show, and he talked about that, that Andy Dalton gives uh, Matt Nagy some cover. Listen to what uh, Florio says to Eisen. I think the, the deal that necessarily was done when they traded up and gave up next year's first-round pick to get Justin Fields is that everyone's getting judged based on what Fields does next year. So anything that happens this year is about making sure that you maximize the performance level of Justin Fields next year. And I'm not saying they're treating this like a redshirt year, scholarship year, whatever, but it would be beyond ludicrous for the Bears to fire Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, and or Ted Phillips after this season when you've made the investment in Justin Fields. So next year is when everyone's on the clock with whether or not Fields is any good. So if they think that not putting him in a situation where he has, you know, four interceptions in 35 minutes or getting beaten around behind an offensive line that maybe isn't as good as it needs to be and they'd rather defer as much of it to next year as possible. That's where it's coming from. But, but Rich, this Andy Dalton injury gives them a chance to just kind of give him a test drive. And if Justin Fields fails, you don't have to say he was benched. You just say Andy Dalton's healthy. And when's Andy Dalton healthy? He's healthy whenever Justin Fields is deemed to be not good enough to get it done. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's falling right into their laps. I think that's a fascinating theory. Um, Please play that for Greg Gabriel. <laughs> Please. I don't, I don't want him to get what mad would at Greg me. say to that? <laughs> He'd say bullshit. Mario's a fraud. <laughs> Fuck him. That's what he would say. Exactly. Man, they would be on the same station on the score and follow each other up on segments, and Greg would just be like, the guy that was on here a minute ago is a complete total idiot. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So true. But it is an interesting theory, first of all, that uh, Justin, they're, they're preparing Justin Fields for next year, but it, it gives them cover so that, you know, delaying the uh, the the naming of Fields as the number one quarterback kind of helps them guarantee their job for next year. God, that pisses me off. It does. I mean, and it's something a head coach like Matt Nagy would do. He, he'd rather, you know, delay the growth of Justin Fields just to ensure that he can play out his contract till its end, which is 2022, and hopefully get renewed for another five years. That This fucking guy is supposed to be an offensive genius. That's what we were sold on. Mm -hmm. And you look at Sunday's game. They have that first drive. They go straight down the field and score. And for the game, now this is off the top of my head, but they had as a team, if you take away sacks, what you would call net yardage, mm -hmm. they had less than 100 yards of total passing as a team. Ooh. It was something like 85 yards. And if you extrapolate that even more mm -hmm. and you say, We'll take away the first drive because they had about 40 yards in the first drive. They had like 45 yards in passing for almost three and a half quarters of action. That's, I mean, now granted, I know A-Rob dropped that one pass and that would have helped Fields' stats too. And it was a good throw and he should have made the catch. And I'm sure he would say the same thing. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it, it's hard in 2021 to win games when your guru puts up 40 yards of passing with his offense and, and almost three-plus quarters. I mean, that's hard to do. It really is. You it, could bring in, 
you know, Tyler Heineke or whatever, whoever the fuck that guy is in Washington that played the playoff game when Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick got hurt again. They put him back in. You could put in the scrubbiest, the, the worst scrub you can come up with. Mm-hmm. And they can have a game. Jim Miller had some 400 yard games for the Bears. 400 yards. And Matt Nagy in a pro game in 2021 with the rules all helping the, the fucking offense can't get 100 yards passing. When do we call this guy out and say he's not a guru? He's not an offensive genius. He's an Andy Reid ball washer. <laughs> like he's here because of Andy, and that's it. And he's not Andy. Yeah. He's not Andy. It, it, it appears that that is totally true. Um, and that just disappoints the hell out of me because I, fu- I thought we were finally going to get that competent head coach who knew offenses well, who knew how to develop uh, quarterbacks. And, 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 and we're not getting that. We didn't get it with Trestman, and now it appears we don't have it with Nagy. And so uh, we'll be looking for a head coach after this well, season or after 2022, it appears. The best case scenario, if we could go back in time and do like a Twin Peaks thing and reverse fortunes or back to the future, whatever reference you want to use to go back through time. Mm-hmm. If we could go back and talk lovey, instead of hiring Mike Martz, just hire Tressman. Because mm-hmm. if he had Tressman as his offensive coordinator and still was over the defense, that team could have made some noise. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, they had some good stats. They did. When Trustman was there in 13 and 14 offensively, the defense was awful. It was. But if Lovey was here, the defense wouldn't have been awful. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There there was some investment into the off, offense for the first time in a long time. When Lovey was uh, head coach, the only investment into the offense was what? Jay Cutler. Cutler. That was yeah. it. You know, you had Devin Hester as your number one wide receiver for a couple of seasons, and he wasn't really drafted to be a wide receiver. So that that tells you something. I guess Musa and Muhammad was That's true. an investment. That's true. But that was before – wasn't that before the Emory years, or was that – Oh, yeah, yeah. it was before Phil, but that yeah. was Angelo. But uh, Musa was here in five, six, and seven. Gotcha. Hey, I want to play uh, because we do. I think we all are in agreement that Justin Fields did not exactly light things up uh, on Sunday. And so, who do we go to for <laughs> elaboration on that? We, of course, go to Chris Sims. Like I've been trying to tell everybody, too, he's a phenomenal athlete, but there's questions about his throwing. I know it looked good in the preseason, but as you saw in this game, there's some there's mechanical flaws. And now he's got to throw into tight windows in the regular season, and it's not going to be the same. But they'll come up with some quarterback design runs, some formations that will threaten the defense of, hey, we can run it, quarterback run it, and they'll find ways to run play actions and bootlegs and the right things for him too that fit him. So, I mean, if I'm them and Andy Dalton isn't like exactly 100%, I am going with Justin Fields and starting this and seeing how it goes for a few weeks, like you said, and then maybe you reevaluate. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna play Greg Gabriel here. What a fucking idiot Chris Sims is! He completed passes into t- tight windows. He completed a what forty five yarder to Allen Robinson, who dropped it. Yeah, beautiful throw in the bucket, touchdown pass. And so, uh, and- you know who I blame that on? Who I blame that on Nagy because Nagy wouldn't give these two guys any chance to work together. That's a great point. Yeah, they weren't practicing together. They got no preseason time together. 
So Fields and Robinson, basically, that's their first time together. Mm -hmm. So they have no rhythm yet. I mean, they'll get there. They're, they're, you know, this kid's going to be the it thing, I hope. And, it, you know, he struggled in one game, but he still made the play to win the game. Mm -hmm. He's going to be okay. Calm down. And Robinson and Mooney, because he missed that throw to Mooney by like just a half a step too. Yeah. The one uh, on the sideline. Right. You give him another week or two and those throws are going to be on point and they're going to catch those passes. Right. So, but if that's the coach's fault for not giving them any time together. Mm -hmm. Well, and I got to tell you, um, I do believe that if Fields get all gets all the first team reps this year, it's going to be a totally different performance for him. Absolutely, Sunday, even against a a Browns defense that is better than the Bengals defense, it it, um, it you can't you can't expect a young rookie player who has just been taking snaps for the last three weeks with the scout team to come in there and light things up. It's it's but you could see what he's capable of doing. And so my only concern right now is if this week Andy Dalton looks like he's close to 100% and he starts splitting the first team reps with Justin Fields, he's got to go all in with Justin. I don't care what he says to the media. Oh, we're still evaluating it. And like you said, maybe we'll, we'll get the official word on Saturday. But I want him to behind the scenes tell Justin, you're the number one quarterback this week, and tell Andy, Andy, Regardless of your situation, whether you're 100% or not, I want you to be the second stringer this week or maybe not suit up at all if 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 your ACL or whatever it is that's wrong with you isn't uh, ready to go. He's got to make that decision to give Justin Fields the, the entire reins uh, and, and have him go out there and perform like the way we think he can. Just, you know, this is a cliché. So I don't want to sound like I'm patting myself on the back and say I'm the smartest guy in the room the way Nagy does. Mm -hmm. But you got to build in a couple of plays like for him because the the when you look at the Cincinnati game in the fourth quarter, the Bears had no rhythm whatsoever on offense, mm -hmm. none. Mm -hmm. The only thing they could do randomly was to get Montgomery going, but there were still plays because they knew they were running on first down mm -hmm. and he was getting hit in the backfield. So it was second and long every time. So he should have done play action. But my, what I was going to say, he didn't have – I mean, where, where's Cole Komet? Where's Jimmy Graham? Like, wh where's Jesse James? Give give Fields a chance to have a couple of easy completions, maybe a screen pass to Williams, you know, or or, or Montgomery. Some, but just give him some positive plays to, to build a rhythm. Mm -hmm. They had no rhythm at all in the second half. And I just felt like – Oh boy, you know, if we have to punt this ball, the Bengals may win this game. So I'm glad Fields ran for the first down. Oh, it's that was uh, huge. That was huge. And, and we got lucky there, I really believe. But you know, like you were saying, if you give him first team reps, you'd have to think like his work with Mustafer will be better. They'll be mm -hmm. won't have those uh false start penalties on himself, you know, because he's expecting the snap before Mustafer's obviously ready to snap it. And those are things that will be ironed out as as they practice together. I was listening to uh, some sports radio as I was on the road today, and the guys over at uh, WSCR were talking about how Jimmy Graham's contract is one of the worst in Bears history. You're paying him considerable about amount of money, and he's not getting very many snaps. It's getting like 20. He's averaged like 20 snaps in the first two games. Um, and yet – 
uh, Cole Komet is only targeted once. He, he saw many more snaps, but only had one pass thrown his way. So what is going on with the tight end position in the Chicago Bears, given that this is an integral part of the Andy Reid offense? He doesn't know what to do with it. That's my opinion. He does not know what to do. It's like he has too many toys to play with. He just doesn't know how to utilize them. He's, he's, this guy would be great if you're playing Madden on the Xbox 360, you know, but he doesn't know what to do with grown men, real players, real formations, real offense Mm -hmm. against real defense. I mean, I I don't want to channel Mr. Atoshin, but he is a fraud. (laughs) Well, I hope that he proves you and Atoshin and all the doubters wrong, but I just don't see, I just just don't see it. I I do too. I hope he tells me to go fuck myself and I celebrate with a division championship shirt or something, you know, good. Yeah, exactly. That'd be great. Exactly. Oh my God. He just, he gives me absolutely no faith. And just look at those stats. Like I said, I think it was 83 yards that of total offense of passing the ball. 83 yards. That wouldn't, the 1971 Bears would have had more than 83 yards <laughs> with Bobby Douglas. With Bobby D. <laughs> Bobby Douglas would have run for 150 and at least thrown for 90, right? Yep. I mean, come on. How can you, your offense be so poor for so long and yet he's still so arrogant? Mm hmm. Yeah, that that is that is the thing. Is if what, I was really bad at fucking my wife or my girlfriends, like every day, like literally just was horrid in the bed, mm. and still I had this like puff my chest out like I'm some man's man who should be in porn. I mean, the woman uh, would tell you like you fucking suck. Like, where, why do you have this ego? Like nobody <laughs> tells Nagy that when it comes to his poor offense, though. How can you still like? Tell people with a straight face that you're some kind of guru. Mm. I don't know, man. I, 26 uh, coaches on that staff, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and they can get 83 yards? Mm-hmm. God, that's that, – it's. I don't even know what to say what the right adjective is. It, it, it's, it's infuriating. It really is. It really is. And um, And – that smirk that he had when he was had him having that interaction with Brad Biggs about the scheme and the quarterback and so oh, forth. Oh, that was so – I retweeted you. That was horrible. Oh, my goodness. That really, really made people hate him even more. I mean, uh, they've got a bad public relations problem with Matt Nagy. If uh, they got to continue to win some games to lighten the, the outcry against him uh, because if – they continue to lose if they have a, a losing record this season. The calls for his dismissal are just going to be through the roof. And the Bears, as reluctant as they may want to be to replace their head coach, and for the what, the third or fourth straight head coach releasing the coach before their contract is up, uh, uh, something that they don't want to continue doing. But if that, if, if we get there, Hey, we get there. We, we need an efficient coach now that we've got this quarterback. But li- the likelihood is, is that it's just not going to happen. The Chicago Bears management is going to stick with Matt Nagy come hell or high water. It just depends. Like if they, if the train really goes off the tracks to use a, uh, you know, a cliche, the national media is kind of calling him out a little bit now. Yeah. So the, the narrative is, is going to be written that it's, it's his fault. Mm-hmm. versus it was always somebody else's fault before it was Trubisky's fault. Mm-hmm. It, it was the defense's fault. Uh, we got to get rid of our coordinator and then we're going to be okay. 
you know, so he's not going to call the plays now, but he's calling the play. There's always a built-in excuse. And the only one he's got now is to play Dalton off of fields, which is what he's going to try to do. Mm-hmm. But hopefully people will see through that as being transparent. Uh, the thing with Brad, Brad Biggs, like you, you brought up, everybody watching that, like even a non-football fan can watch that and know that that's, that question is not about scheme. Mm-hmm. So to me, if he just says, look, Brad, I appreciate the question, but I don't want to answer it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell you. I mean, I just, I don't feel like I have to tell you that. Exactly. Like I would almost have respect for him, but to sit there and lie and say, that's about scheme. That is not about scheme. And everybody knows it. Right. So he's becoming worse. Th- he's becoming a nicer version of John Fox. <laughs> that's right. Where he just lies to your <laughs> face, but he does it with a smile. In a lot of ways, that's worse. Mm-hmm. That's like, again, to use an, an erase relationship analogy. It's like the woman is smiling to your face and saying, I love you. And then fucking somebody else behind your back. That's Nagy. Whereas Fox is the one that's just like, I don't like you. I don't care if you like me, I'm going to go fuck somebody else. <laughs> like Fox to your face, didn't care about civility at all. Yeah. So Nagy's a little bit nicer about it, but he's duplicitous and he's fucking people behind your back. Well, and a big part of it is he's dug this grave for himself by making the announcement that Dalton was going to be the starter and that, you know, well, we knew everyone knew they were going to draft a quarterback, Every whether it was in the first round, the second round, or the third round. So when they signed Andy Dalton, they should have said, you know, Andy Dalton's starting quarterback until further notice. Then they draft Justin Fields. There's going to be an open competition for the job, and we're going to uh, name the starting quarterback two or three weeks before the start of the season. But they didn't do that. They stuck with their guns uh, after making that horrible decision to send out a social media a message saying QB number one. What the fuck? Who, who runs organizations this way? I've never seen this before. So is the Bears that have such terrible organizations, which is why so many people in the chat room are saying, yeah, but we're still going to have the same problems because it's the McCaskies. It's, it's Ted Phillips. It's that organization that allows this shit to happen. I wanted to- I don't know. Maybe if you fire pace too, I, that's all I can think of. Maybe that's you start from scratch. Yeah, you know, I think he's the the, the biggest guy to blame outside of the uh, outside of Ted Phillips. You know, I I don't believe that McCaskey or excuse me Ryan Pace knows how to put together a fifty three man roster. There's always holes in it, always. Um, Absolutely. But uh, 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 kudos to him in that, and but he has admitted that they got lucky in getting uh, that left tackle Justin Peters. This this offensive line was super surprising with their play on Sunday against the Bengals. I hope they can play half as good against the Browns uh, with that. I thought Mustafer struggled a little bit, but I'm not trying to say that I broke down the film or no, just from the naked eye. Yeah, he didn't have an A plus game. Like he was giving up a lot a lot of pressures that he normally hasn't done since he got in there. Um, it feels like it's like a musical chairs. Like one week Daniels is going to struggle, then Mustafer is going to you know (laughs) yeah. But yeah, if they could all get in sync, they're going to have to if they're going to beat Cleveland. Right. Well, the the the, the big thing is that uh, the run game, the offensive line could have done a better job. When you look at what Dustin, uh, excuse me, David Montgomery did from a statistical standpoint, he had 61 yards rushing on 20 attempts, but 42 of them came after contact. He forced right. five missed tackles. I mean, that is effing unbelievable. And those last two on the first downs were just huge. Mm-hmm. His last two runs of the game prior to Fields' 
those those plays, those those are the biggest ones of the game. Yep. All pure effort from those two guys. Mm-hmm. See, well, Jamal Lewis has a question. Uh, do you think they're trying to make up the Trubisky Glennon fuck up in two thousand and seven? They didn't want Trubisky to start at all either. I don't know about that. I, I think they wanted Trubisky. Well, they they wanted the same kind of development plan for Trubisky that they cu- currently have for Justin Fields. Well, Andy Dalton is a hundred percent better than Mike Glennon. There's no. I mean, even if you don't like Dalton, there's it's there's no way to deny, to deny that. Absolutely correct. A hundred percent. Um, there's there's no comparison. There's no comparison. No, Glennon, not at all. The fact that Ryan Pace actually believed. Mike Lennon was capable of being a number one quarterback or being a placeholder for a year so that Trubisky could get seasoned behind him. The fact that Ryan Pace even considered that makes him um, one of the worst general managers in in Bears history. I mean, it's true. He's done so many good things and picking up some quality draft picks in the middle of the draft. But what he has done with – the acquisition of Nick Foles and Mike Lennon. I mean, that's just beyond the pale, man. It's if you, I hate to jump in and say this, I was trying to be coy about it, but if you could interact with the chat room for just a minute, I've crushed two waters here. I've got to piss. I'm a 40 year old man for fuck's sake. Maybe I need my prostate examined, but I've got to piss. I'm so sorry. Just give me a minute, please. Don't, don't be sorry. You go take care of business. Uh, All right. I'll be back guys. Just, <laughs> we're just getting started. I feel like I'm on FM right now. Right. Don't leave us. <laughs> so this is uh, the part of the show where we don't talk about the hand sex life. <laughs> Oh, man. Let me see if there's any questions in the uh, chat. Yeah, PJ uh, was telling me to keep an eye on Sam Mustafer, and I have, and yes, I am not uh, as convinced as I used to be that he is the answer at center for the Chicago Bears. The, But I do think that the, the Chicago Bears, are, are, that Juan Castillo and the Chicago Bears can help Mustafer along. He's going to get better. He's going to get better. Um, the question is, is can he get to a level where he is delivering consistent play at that center position? He's not as strong as other people, but he, if he continues to refine his technique, which is what Castillo harps on, he has these guys going through technique over and over and over again. Peter said that at the press conference earlier today, if he can get them to, if he can get Mustafer to, really refine that technique. He's going to improve. To me, I, I have no doubt that he's just going to be a better player. Um, so we'll, only time will tell. See what Jamal has. Uh, what are your thoughts on Duke Shelley? Is he the weak link on defense? Well, he's certainly the weak link on that defensive backfield. The Bears have a huge, huge problem at that corner, uh, 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 nickelback corner slot, the slot corner uh, slot. And to me, it just doesn't make sense that in this day and age where people are, NFL teams are throwing the ball 40, 50 times, that the Bears haven't paid more attention to getting high quality defensive backs. Their philosophy, Ryan Pace's philosophy, is to pressure the quarterback, pressure the quarterback, and that will help even mediocre defensive backs play better. Well, that may be true, but what happens if you're not getting pressure on? Uh, on those quarterbacks, uh, which the Bears have not consistently done. What happens if the play of your cornerbacks or defensive backs is so bad that 
you know, even if you got a good pass rush, the quarterback is able to get rid of the ball to a wide open receiver because the cornerback didn't do his job properly. And I think we've seen a lot of that. Duke Shelley, hopefully he will progress through good coaching, but man, oh man, that's a glaring, glaring uh, 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 minus point for this defense. The slot corner in today's NFL has become one of the prime positions in football. It's so important. A lot of teams are lining up their best wide receiver in the slot for a dozen, two dozen snaps in a game. And so you've got Duke Shelley at the slot uh, guarding these top receivers. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Hey, somebody agrees with me. <laughs> um, Jalen Johnson has been great, though. He has been a bright spot. Laro Golden, uh, co-host of Bulls 101, which uh, we just put out a new commercial on our at Barroom Network Twitter account with Laro and his co-host, Chris Amundsen, talking about okay. Billy, Don Billy Donovan and whether he's a, a good coach or not. So uh, find that or just watch the entire show bulls one-on-one it's on saturdays and you can find it always on demand here at the barroom network how was the piss dan feel great i'm ready to go how much did you uh, uh discharge a lot <laughs> uh so we talked about david montgomery you know what he is quickly moving up the ranks of one of my favorite bears players and he's the best offensive player we have right now yeah uh, well, is it fair to say that until Justin Fields starts playing to his his capability, yes, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Um, I, and I'm not ready to give up on a Rob. I know a lot of people are down on him because of that missed uh, touchdown catch, but let's not forget he did catch a touchdown. Um, so uh, it, it's going to work out for a Rob. We've got what uh, I would like to tell his agent to go fuck himself after the drop, though. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, sixteen more of these, eh? Yeah. We do have 15 more NFL regular season games, and I know they go by pretty fast, but that's a lot. It's like an entire season. So there's going to be some good things happening with A-Rob. Um, I, I oh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I blame that on lack of chemistry there, just lack of playing time together. Well, the other thing is, is on that touchdown that he dropped, he was being molested by the cornerback, and that cornerback should have been flagged. That There, there was contact there, and it disrupted – uh, a Rob a bit. Now I'm not excusing the fact that he dropped it because the ball was still in his gut and all I had to do was squeeze it. But I got a feeling that he didn't squeeze that ball into his gut because he was, you know, that cornerback was all over him and there was no flag thrown. Again, NFL officiating is what it is. We got to talk about taunting, but let's talk about it a little later, okay? It, can I say one th thing real quick sure. before you go on? Of course. It, like you said, that 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 call or lack thereof is questionable. The one they called on Komet was awful. Mm -hmm. The offensive pass interference. I just like this guy. Komet gets a lot of penalties put on him that that are like borderline at best. Yes. Well, in penalties, you know, it, it, you're right about Komet. I think he's unfairly penalized. It's like they look at him like a, a young player who hasn't earned the respect of the officials, and so he never gets the benefit of the doubt. But this penalty situation with the Bears is concerning. Like on that second drive, I talked about it after the game with John Buffon and Tyler Ellis. You know, they had three penalties on that drive. That stopped the team from getting points. You know, there was a holding call on uh, Jermaine Ifedi. There was a, a call on Goodwin, the wide receiver, that nullified that 
a huge pass from Dalton to David Montgomery that I think it was 36, 40 yards. Yeah. And then there was a, a third penalty. Um, I think it was James Daniels was called for holding. Don't three penalties on an 11 play drive. You're really fucking yourself. And so, you know, we talk about leadership in this team. I had this discussion with Greg Gabriel, and I respectfully disagree with him. He says that's on the players. And I go, but yeah, it's on the players. But what about the leadership on the team? Why don't they do something in terms of, you know, somebody fucks up like that? Put them on the bench. Do, do something to discipline the player so that they get really good. Bill Belichick teams don't commit these kinds of penalties. You know, really good coaches, they get the players – disciplined and i don't think that uh, the bears coaches are are doing the proper job yes it always comes down to the players but the good good coaches make sure that those players don't do those stupid penalties i i see your side of it and greg's on that i think that both of you are right and that's not trying to be on the on the fence i i've seen both sides have validity mm-hmm but I, ultimately, it is the player's responsibility. But again, a lot of that's a product of coaching. Mm-hmm. Jamal has a question: If the Bears go three and one, or even two and two with Fields at quarterback, do you think Nagy goes back to Dalton? No, I don't think so. I think if he's playing well and not committing mistakes that are costing the team wins, like penalties, offside penalties, uh, the, uh, I think Justin Fields, if he goes two and two over the next four weeks. Andy Dalton better really find a comfortable spot on the bench, get get some warm gear for those cold winters at Soldier Field because he's not coming back. He just isn't coming back. And I truly believe that Justin Fields can perform at a high level. He's going to make mistakes. There's no doubt about it. But if this if if we can play complementary football on on defense, special teams, on offense, this team could do some really great things with Fields as the quarterback. He just does so many wonderful things to offset other people's mistakes. That's what's so special about this guy. 4, I just kept thinking the whole game, the coach isn't doing him any favors to get him into some rhythm and I almost felt badly for him, but at the same time, cajoling, like hoping he's going to just natural ability will, will lead him the, through it. It was a tough game for him, and and but that's okay. Mm-hmm. You're gonna see tough games. It was he didn't even start the game, mm-hmm. so it's not even his first start, and he's young, and we still got the win. Yep, 4, and 000, he still uh, it was he got he he gave us the win. You can say the defense, all in all, won the game with the turnovers, and that's true. Mm-hmm. But at the end, when in, cl- in the clutch, he got the first down. So to me, his game wasn't as bad as maybe the statistics look. That's a good point. That's a very because good point. He, you throw that touchdown in there to Robinson, then his stats are better, and mm-hmm. then you can you know, you have to include the play in the clutch where he got the first down. I just think if people are really down on fields, that's that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely crazy. Yeah, there's been comments uh, like we said earlier about Nick Foles potentially being the starter from a fan perspective. That would that's nuts. that's insane. I mean, <laughs> you're going to you got to take your lumps. Yep. Exactly. You have to. Like when he threw that pick six, I mean, I was just like, well, it was, it's going to happen. I mean, that's that's what happens. That's why your rookie seasons are, you know, Roethlisberger went 15 and one, but that is, you know, absolutely an anomaly. Yep. Most rookies are somewhere in the middle. By the way, 4,000 Clover says Bill Belichick's philosophy isn't BU, it's 
do your fucking job. I added the fucking there. But that is, it, it totally explains the, the difference in philosophies with those two coaches. Does BU mean we try to get 80 yards passing as a team? <laughs> Especially when you pass almost every play. I don't understand how that's possible. We want to complete two yard outs. <laughs> that's right. Jesus Christ. And if he blames the offensive line for that, I there's some truth to that, but some of that is it's his play calling. If you throw the ball deep, we had one big PI, right? Remember that play yep. that helped us and which was a legitimate call. Yes. But I don't remember the exact yardage on it, but it was huge. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you take a shot, throw it deep. Worst case scenario, A, Dalton gets sacked and they get a roughing the passer call. B, you complete the fucking thing. Or C, maybe there's a PI, but he doesn't even take a chance. That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right, let's talk a little bit about that defense. I know you have been harping on the defense for quite some time, justifiably so, I should say. But this time against the Cincinnati Bengals, they really had a good game. And it was interesting that Sean decided. Except for one guy. And who's that? Duke Shelley was awful. <laughs> it's already been I talked mean, about. I mean, he played the worst game. Now, once more, maybe he'll get better. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you go back to Marquis Christian or not, but I I was thinking, damn, where's Buster Screen? Is he on the street? Is he available? <laughs> He's out there somewhere. Every <laughs> play, every play, and Cincinnati was obviously targeting him, targeting mm. him. Every play he was involved in, he was getting burned. Yep. And then the one play, uh, Eddie Jackson hit him mm -hmm. as opposed to on the long touchdown, like hit Duke Shaw. Maybe he was expecting help, and Eddie fucked up again. I don't know. Eddie had two good plays on Sunday, but he's still scary too. But that that Duke Shelley was awful. Yeah, I think you know, I think they've got like a a problem at the slot corner. I was talking about this while you were out taking a whiz. You know, slot corners in the NFL have become so valuable because so many teams are now putting their best wide receiver in that slot wide receiver position for a dozen, two dozen plays, and the Bears continually put their third best corner in that position. And it's usually a small guy. And sometimes that small guy has got to go up against somebody who's six inches taller. I think that the Chicago bears, they should be focused on bringing in some top quality cornerbacks, either via the draft or free agency. That's where the game is going. There's almost too much of an emphasis being put on pass rushing. Like I get it that the bears like to, have great pass rushers. That way they can only send four guys in rushing after the quarterback and then keep everybody else guarding against the pass in, in zone coverages. I get that. But if, if you don't have good guys who can play good zone or from time to time play good man, then you're just going to get burned. You know, it, it, the, that four-man pass rush isn't going to get there in time. So uh, Duke Shelley is a liability right now, and he is somebody – that I don't have as much confidence in as I do as at some Sam Mustafer, but we'll see. You know, this is Sean Desai. This is he. Well, he's this is Shelley's third year, so by now he fucking Shelley should be showing some promise. Um, but I really like what Sean Desai did in terms uh, in terms of generating pressure on the quarterback when he pit when he put Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn on the same side for a number of plays, it was a genius move and he's got to continue to come up with creative ways of using those two particular players to create a pass rush because 
a lot of How time. How about the mighty Quinn with another one? Yeah, exactly. He's act- actually been playing well this season. Uh, Danny says, I'm, I'm going to pull some Robert Quinn tape for Thursday's Bare Truth so we can analyze how well he's playing. So that's that's good news. And hopefully he can keep that up for 17 games. It, I, I keep worrying about some of these old guys the Bears have, like the Peters at left tackle, Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack. Are they going to really be able to play 17 games? Are those guys going to be able to stand by the end of the season? They don't have young bodies anymore. Does that concern you at all? Well, I remember at one point in the game against the Bengals, it was a, you know, first and ten. I think Cincinnati had just scored, and Mac was standing on the sidelines. And my initial instinct was to think, "What the fuck? Why isn't he?" But I was like, "Oh, maybe they're, you know, they're thinking it's week two, and you know, it's a long season, mm-hmm. so we're saving him a little bit." So I was like, "Maybe that's a good move. Maybe I need to give him more, uh, you know, more slack." So maybe that was an example of like, well, 17 weeks is a long time, so let's preserve him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I just thought in the clutch when you just gave up a touchdown, mm-hmm. you know, we need you now. This is when you shouldn't be resting, but whatever. I, it is going to be a long season, so of course you worry about anybody. It's, a, it's to use the cliche, it's a war of attrition. Um, we're reminded in the chat that Thomas Graham Jr. Uh, might be in the wings to play that nickelback position, and that would be good. He showed a, you know, he showed he me was a okay lot. in the preseason. Yeah. It seemed he showed me a lot. Uh, he's a, you know, young guy. He's got to learn. Is he a lot. the one that had the pick six? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Yes. James has has a good question. Uh, if you all agree Matt Nagy needs to be fired like yesterday, why would you want Fields to start so he can save his job again like Trubisky did last season? I can answer that immediately because we're bear fans. (laughs) We're bear fans and we root for the fucking logo. Mm -hmm. We root for the team or in Aldo's case, he's rooting for the city, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm a road guy, but I still care about the team and I'm never going to root for them to lose. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, you know, and James, I'm going to try to remember uh, that question from Mike North because North uh, is a huge Trubisky fan and, and continually says that Trubisky saved Matt Nagy's job. So I, I, I'd be interesting to get his joint point of view on that. But I'm with you, uh, Dan. It, you know, as much as I want him gone, if Fields is going to come in and play well and we're going to win games, then that kind of solves the problem of having a coach who, you know, isn't my favorite coach. If, if we can win with Matt Nagy because of brilliance from Justin Fields, fine, fuck it. Well, I'll live with it. You know, I'll still want him fired. I'll still be hashtagging fire Nagy. So uh, we'll, we'll take it. Um, yeah. Lovey wasn't my favorite coach. Neither was Dick Jerron. Like I, I really, I loved Ditka. And for some reason I really liked Wanstead, mm-hmm. but I didn't love Jerron and I didn't love Lovey. I mean, I respected them. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I rooted for them, but that's the thing. I was still rooting for the bears to win even when it felt like it was because Lovey was here a long time mm-hmm. and people act like he was like given a short end of the stick. I mean, when you have two back-to-back collapses, seven and one and uh, seven and three the next year, and you don't make the playoffs either time you typically go, especially when you're eight, nine years in. So it, it just felt like it was time for Lovey to go. But the, there was a couple of years where it looked like he could be fired, especially that Oh nine season. You first get Cutler and the euphoria of that. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you're, there's a couple of games. They went to Baltimore in the snow that year and lost by like 38 and Cincinnati blew them out and, and Benson ran for 200 yards and they were losing bad. So I thought he could have been fired then, 
But again, I was still rooting for the Bears, so I'm rooting for Lovey. Yeah. Or in this case, I'm going to be rooting for Nagy. <laughs> BJ uh, is correcting me. He says, no, that was Trey Roberson who had that pick six in the preseason. And he's actually. Oh, that's on me then. I fucked that up. He says, I actually got a memory question right instead of Dan, who always knows everything. So, well, the preseason, you know, yeah. I mean, not. I was at work when that was game was happening too, but I probably should have remembered that. I don't want to, he's right. If he's right, I, I want to give him credit. He, I, I fucked that one up. Now everybody knows everyone that follows the show knows about your incredible memory, but let, let me, let me throw one at you. When was the last time the bears played the Browns? Do you remember that? Yeah, of course I do. Mitch won. Uh, it was in 2017, late in the year. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> I do. Um, <laughs> It was uh, at Soldier Field, and like I said, it was snowing. It was in December. I can't remember who scored. Maybe Jordan Howard? Yes, now I remember. Yes, it was. Howard. And Mitch, I think Mitch made a snow angel, it seems like. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, but that game was it, was it was a while ago. It feels like it was a really long time ago. You know, I was about to ask you all, and of course, this is a hypothetical. We would never, it would never happen, mm -hmm. but how about the chat room? How about? Aldo Gandia, like right now, if I'm telling you, if you really wanted walking through that door right now with everything exactly the same, the way it is right now, you can have John Fox come back and take over, or you can keep Matt Nagy. But those are your two options. Where would you go? Oh, fuck. I would take Fox. Really? No, I can't. At this point, I would take Fox. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I can't do it. That's how down I am on Nagy. <laughs> I'm down on Nagy too, but you're asking me to pick between Ebola and COVID. <laughs> but, but I'm asking, I, in my, from my perspective, let me try to sell you then. Okay. If, I mean, of course, this is never going to happen, but I'm saying if Fox would come back, mm -hmm. you could still have uh, the same offensive staff. So Bill Lazor's calling plays or DeFilippo's calling plays and not Nagy. Mm-hmm. And you have Fox, who at, at the very least is another guy that could help that defense even more. Because, I mean, he was a defensive guru himself. You know, he did well with the Giants as coordinator, did well as a head coach in Carolina and Denver, went to the Super Bowls. So I, I would take Fox over Nagy right now. This and is, I can't believe I'm saying that because I wanted Fox gone just like everybody else. I can't believe you're saying it, and I can't believe everyone in the chat is saying the same thing. Travis is for Fox. James says, I take Fox all day. PJ says Fox. James Foster says Fox. J-Rock says Fox. Russell Webster says Fox. Tareen Whitfield says Fox. 4,000 Clover says, I take Fox at this point, and I didn't like him either. My goodness, I, I can just go on. There's so many more Foxes here. Not one vote for Nagy. I'm the only one. But Travis says Fox, but no dialogues. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. If you could keep everything the same. <laughs> that is wild, man. Oh, man. I got to run a poll on Twitter. <laughs> that's, that's a great question. It, it, uh, I think it is. I think you could almost substitute anybody else. Mm -hmm. Bring Lovey back. Of course, Lovey's got a large contingency of people that love him anyway. True. So. You could say bring Wani back, mm -hmm. bring Jerron back. <laughs> like anybody would be, maybe not Jerron, but most people would be. <laughs> no, Matt Nagy. I think Jerron's been away too long now. 
What do you think about bringing Dave Wanstat back? I see him on these talk shows, and the guy sounds brilliant. He's talking like he's he was a genius NFL head coach. He wasn't, but he was a good head coach. The, the oh, yeah, he was good. Played. He did well with the Bears early on when the talent was a little bit better, and he won some divisions in Miami. <laughs> the the, the, um, the thing about uh, Wanstat is that he always had the guys playing hard for him. Absolutely. Oh, and Wani knew how to run play action. Mm -hmm. He knew when it was time to run the ball. You know, if anything, uh, you would never see Wani in a third down and goal from the half-yard line and a shotgun. <laughs> That's right. It was a bit more, bit more old-fashioned. Now, uh, James is saying he would even take Tressman over Nagy. I don't oh, see Oh, I don't know about that. Now, again, if Tressman was Lovey's coordinator, I think if he's got a boss that can hold the team together, because mm -hmm. like even Cutler said, it was a shit show when he was the coach, and he liked him personally, but he had no authority or control over the team. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to Lance Briggs saying, I'm just going to open a restaurant. Fuck it. Is it week one? <laughs> <laughs> what about Deborah's pick, Jim Harbaugh? Oh, man. Harbaugh, you can say what you want. I know you're not a Harbaugh fan, but Harbaugh learned under Mike Ditka, and he has that same old-school approach as Bear fans I think we kind of long for. Even when Lovey was here, Lovey was – his disposition is so much different from, from say, Ditka. You know, he's way more mild-mannered, doesn't cuss. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we as Bear fans would love like Harbaugh would be the guy you remember the rant that Ditka gave Harbaugh in the, in, when he called the audible in the Metrodome in 92 and never, never forget lost it. his yep. yeah so like Harbaugh would do that to somebody now he would be Ditka so yeah. uh, Harbaugh would clearly do that to somebody now and uh, yeah I, I you put Harbaugh in here if Harbaugh is walking through the door and Nagy I'm taking Harbaugh I like all day I like Gregory's uh, suggestion, uh, Jamie Fox. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I like that idea. Al Pacino, never. Who's your uh, never? Uh, never any Sunday. <laughs> My, what was it called? Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. Who's your favorite football coach from a movie? Uh, Al Pacino is one of my favorites, off the top of my head. And I have to think about who, who are some other. Pat O'Brien as as Newt Rockney in the old Notre Dame film, um, but. More recently, are there only any? Oh, well, Denzel Washington in uh, uh, Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. Yeah, he, fucking fantastic. I liked the guy that was playing Dick Vermeil in the movie Invincible. Oh yeah, that's uh, Greg, Greg Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear, right? Yeah. I thought I like. I really liked that movie. I liked his portrayal of Dick Vermeil. That's my favorite football movie. I think. Is invincible. I heard they're making a movie finally about Kurt Warner's story. Yeah, that's that's in development. That's going to be interesting to see if they uh, deal. I just with hope they don't make it too like after school special. Yeah, because of his uh, Christian uh, background, they they might it might be really really clean version. You know, they'll they'll have the football players forget you instead of fuck you. <laughs> exactly. I'm hoping that the football is at least realistic, and that they show how good of a guy he was. Like. Cause you know, he took on a lady that had kids with special needs and yeah, you know, and he didn't have kids yet and he was a young man. So that took a big commitment from him. And the fucking guy was st you know, stocking groceries to help pay for kids that really weren't his. And he treated them like they were his. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And to go from that and in like two years be the NFL MVP and the Super Bowl MVP in the same season. Mm-hmm. Like if you wrote that movie, we would shit on it. Yep. But it's actually reality. Yeah. So that deserves a Hollywood uh, tale. Same thing with Vince Papali with Invincible. If you told me that they offered a tryout for the guy at the bar and he made the team, even if it's a special team, you'd be like, get the fuck out of here. But I mean, that really happened. Yep. I wish more teams would do that nowadays. They're, they're, they're not holding tryouts like they used to years ago. By the way, Gene Hackman in the replacements is getting a lot of votes. Uh, Scott I King. I never saw that. Is that the one with Keanu in it? Yeah, I think so. I've never seen that I, one I didn't either. see that. Uh, what about the I program? love Gene Hackman, though. Yeah, I love Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman can coach basketball, baseball. He's never done a baseball movie, but he, he, he would be great at it. Uh, of course, Gene is like on his last uh, breath or something like that. I saw pictures of him recently. He's up there in age. Um, yeah, he's the same age as Eastwood. And Eastwood's writing and directing and starring in movies amazing. still. That was my point earlier. That is like, amazing. he might be not making great movies, but damn, he's doing it. Mm-hmm. What about Henry Winkler, the Fonz? <laughs> From, the last From the water boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and he was kind of old as Fonzie. Isn't that crazy? That's true. He was like 32 when he was the Fonz and supposed to be in high school. We're getting a lot of good suggestions here. Uh, actors that could come in and, and play coach. That's all you need is you need an actor because you need somebody who could go up in front of the press and make fans proud of the franchise, make fans Matthew believe. McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey would be great. He, he would loves be, football. He does. Uh, and so what you need are coordinators and assistant coaches who, who do the game planning, who do the installs, who get the players fired up. All you need as a head coach is a spokesman. And, and frankly, Mike Ditka was that. I mean, when Mike Ditka – got into trouble as the Bears head coach is when he started to think that he was the smartest guy in the room. No, Buddy Ryan was the smartest guy in the room. Sorry, Mike. What you're good at is telling players to go fuck themselves if they don't get shit right. And that really helped turn this well, the franchise around. Let me point out that Ditka always beat Buddy, though. So that in 86, true. in 88, and uh, did they play a third time? I don't remember because Buddy was out of there, but he beat him in 86 in week two and he beat him in the fog bowl. The the thing is, is that Buddy, see, it's it's kind of complex here, is that Buddy was the smartest guy in the room, but he wasn't a really good head coach. He was a great defensive coordinator or schemer, but he didn't know how to handle an offense. And uh and and so what's he what's he doing? In the sideline punching his offensive coordinator. Now that's when he was the defensive coordinator with the Oilers. Okay. Yeah, he punched Kevin Gilbride on the sideline. Uh I guess Pardee was coached then for the Oilers. <laughs> Former Bears coach, actually. That, that is a you great know something I didn't know. I, I know I'm interrupting you too much right. tonight. No, no, I apologize. No, I'm just I'm having fun. I'm, I'm glad um, you are. <laughs> I'm, I made that game for you uh, for 77 week one. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. And I'm going to bring it to you to Cleveland uh, that you brought up on the show a few weeks ago. I didn't know that Ed Hughes, the Bears offensive coordinator when they won the Super Bowl, was the Lions offensive coordinator in the 70s. I, I never knew that. Oh, yeah, Ted Hughes. That's right. Ed, Eddie Hughes. Eddie. Ed, Ed, Ed Hughes. Who it, Didn't he go to the Hall of Fame, Ed Hughes? I don't know about that. I know he was our coordinator when we won Super Bowl twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he was a good coach. He was one of those. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, no, not in the Hall of Fame. 
some reason I thought he was, but nonetheless. Uh, so, um, yeah, I've got, uh, uh, thanks to you, I'm getting a nice collection of old uh, uh, Chicago Bears games. So um, I can't wait to see that one in particular. Um, Eric Kramer got his games. He, he emailed me that. So oh, good. That made me happy. Yeah, it made me happy to know that Kramer's got, it's, it's surreal to think that I buy this guy's jersey as a kid. I'm his fan, like legitimately. You know, he does the podcast, which was so great. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm making games for him. I mean, like games that I recorded of him for him. Mm-hmm. It was really surreal. It was so, such a cool thing. I'm glad that he trusted me enough to have his address and to mail him. And, you know, nothing nefarious will happen. You know, <laughs> Of course not. But um, today I was at a sporting goods uh, store. I stopped to get uh, some walking shoes for Cleveland. And then the following week, because all that walking to Soldier Field and back. Um, and so I, I, I looked over their jerseys and they had a nice collection of jerseys and they had some vintage jerseys. And so I immediately wanted to see if they had a Gail Sayers jersey because um, I don't have my Gail Sayers jersey anymore, and so I need to replace it. Well, what happened to it? Uh, it's a long story. I'll, I'll I'll tell you off camera. But uh, um, it, uh, they did have a beautiful Walter Payton vintage jersey that I was tempted to buy, but it's the white jersey with the stripes. The one I've got that one. Do you mean the nineteen thirty six one? Yeah. I've got that Walter jersey. See, that to me just doesn't seem right because he never wore that jersey. I know, but where it was, mine's got the Bears 100 patch. That's cool. And to me, to me, and again, this is probably, I mean, you. this would be good for you, actually, because you or Mike North saw so many other players that I did because mm-hmm. I didn't come around into the 80s. But for me, I told you Jim McMahon was my favorite player. But if you told me who should be number one, on the Bears hundred, mm-hmm. it's Walter. So to me, with the Bears hundred jersey with that patch on it, like to me, the number one is thirty-four. So that's why I liked uh, getting Walter in that jersey, despite the fact he never wore it. Yeah, I just wish the stores here in Chicago would sell Gale Sayers jerseys, Dick Butkus jerseys. They they're don't. S- they're so fucking hard to find. It's uh, it's frustrating. Pisses like you should off. be able to get Gale Sayers and Butkus and Singletary. Yes. And like Dent and and Fridge, yes. and McMahon, those should be easy. Yeah, you Hell, if, if I could buy a Mongo jersey now, I would just because of his condition. You know, but I did like I liked him as a player too. Yeah, definitely. You go to some of these sporting goods out in the north suburbs of Chicago, and they they're selling like Green Bay stuff. What the oh, fuck, fuck are you doing, man? Well, it's the tourists. There's a lot of tourists who come in uh, to watch the Bears from Green Bay, Wisconsin. And uh, so, you know, these things sell. But it's Chicago. You don't fucking do that for a penny. God. Yeah, there should be a store in the mall that sells, like, every team, and that's where they could go get their Green Bay jersey. Yeah, like right. a, Like a Bears gift shop or something, like, in the heart of town should be Bears heavy. Yeah, exactly. So that store would be right next to where they collect all the garbage. You know, <laughs> and the shitter and stuff. So, <laughs> four thousand Glover says selling pack of shit should be illegal in Chicago. I agree with you. They have the ugliest fucking uniforms anyway. They do. They are ugly. Who the fuck wants to wear green and cheese yellow? Gary asks, "How is Mongo doing?" There were some reports. Uh, yeah, he's not looking good. You know, Bears uh, had to buy him a wheelchair. Yeah, 
I can't believe what happened to all that money this guy made. And he had uh, he needed a specialized one, like given his medical ailments, and it was some like cutting edge, you know, wheelchair. It wasn't just a regular wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And it helps him like uh, and the Bears like stepped up and bought it. I thought that was great. Yeah. Bears I wish they could get nice Wilbur Marshall, get Wilbur like on, you know, and take care of him, where he's so like bitter about his playing days and wishes he hadn't played and is so ashamed about his body now because where he can't work out and he can't really run and he's gotten heavy and he's just so like unhappy. That's why he never goes to old, like 85 bear stuff. I wish that they could do something to help Wilbur and, and make him less of a, you know, reclusive kind of person now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he should be in the hall of fame too. The bears should be campaigning for this guy. Yeah. You know, I, I, when you mentioned that, what was the last week about Wilbur Marsh, I was unaware. I was, I had always wondered, you know, how come we don't hear from Wilbur and stuff? I had no idea that he was facing this crisis in his life. That's not, I good. think he walks on a cane Jeez. and he has said, uh, he would like, if he could do it all over again, he wouldn't play. Yeah. And he doesn't give a that. fuck. He won a ring in Super Bowl 26 with Washington mm -hmm. as well. So he's got two. He said, what neither one of them is worth what he goes through now. Man. Where everybody sad. else says it is. You know, I don't know. You knew Dave Dewerson. I don't know what Dave thought on it. I never heard Dave's comments, but I know, like, you know, Jim McMahon had so many medical ailments. Mongo, both of them wholeheartedly say they would do it all over again, even if they knew it led to what it led to. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. Do you know what Dewerson thought on that? Dewerson, up until his uh, last days, never expressed any regret whatsoever. Uh, it, it was almost as if he was in denial that he had something wrong with him, uh, at least publicly. So, um, you know, that was tragic. One guy that did openly say that he would never do it again was the longtime middle linebacker of the New York Giants, Harry Carson. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Carson's uh, not doing well? Well, it, nah, it, it doesn't sound like he's doing as poorly as Wilbur Marshall, but in an NFL Films interview, he said, you know, all of the aches and pains and, 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 and trauma that my body has gone through, if I had to do it again, I would not do it, especially because of the fear that I run through that perhaps something is going to happen to my head. Um, and this guy, you know, he played, I think 15, 16 seasons. And so he saw a lot yeah. of hitting. Um, and he played in the seventies too. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, of course he played it, made it to the eighties and won a super bowl with them, but I'm saying he started in the seventies. Right. So that's when like you had to be a man to play, you know, mm -hmm. like, there were no pussies on the field in 1976, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Do you think that there are more pussies on the field now than there were back then? Had to be. I would say everybody now is probably more talented overall in terms of everybody on the fields running so much faster and in so much better shape and right. all those kind of things. So pure athleticism today is off the charts in comparison with a generation ago. Mm -hmm. But you also look at those films and, and those games and everything was so much more rugged Man. and so much more violent. Mm -hmm. So you can be the best athlete in the world. It's like to use another analogy, Mike Tyson said on his last fight, I don't mean these exhibition things he's doing now, his last real fight in 05, mm -hmm. he quit on the stool uh, and he apologized immediately to Jim Gray and said, I can get in shape now. I just can't fight anymore. And I have to come to grips with that. And 
So that's what I'm saying. These current athletes are in great shape, but th it takes a lot to take a, that kind of punishment that they were giving out, you know, in 75, 82. And those, I mean, Doug Planks last year, uh, there was famous, the, the game where he knocked himself out and <laughs> busted his own head. I mean, in 82 on that old nasty carpet at Soldier Field. But I'm just saying people like were literally knocking themselves out. Yeah. In those days. So that that's, I think that's takes a tougher guy. Yeah. But there were pussies back then. I remember Dave Durison telling me that when he first hit Franco Harris, he thought to himself, Holy shit, this guy's made out of sponge. He's got no power whatsoever. And, and he went on to say, I could see why he ran out of bounds so frequently because he just didn't have the power to, to take on tacklers. Uh, now, he did play against Franco when uh, Franco was late in his career. But, you know, there were there were pussies then. But you're you're right. Overall, I, I do agree. The NFL was just so much tougher. There's this great NFL films uh, documentary about the 50s and 60s and how violent and dangerous the game was back then. They've got Great footage of you know players being kicked, player you know uh, people going. Clotheslining was legal. Clotheslining was legal. Hits to the head. The defensive lineman could spank uh, uh, an offensive lineman's helmet. The head slap it. Um, guys would get injured, and sometimes they would just be dragged off the fucking field. No stretch or nothing. It's like holy shit, man. <laughs> that that was Neanderthal football, <laughs> but now it's gone way over, way uh, the in the opposite direction. Now you can't even swear at a player. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That is such a perfect segue. I don't know if you were planning it, but if you were, yes, I was. Talk, oh, <laughs> to talk about uh, the taunting penalties. That's right. <laughs> tell me, tell me that you agree with the NFL. That way, we can have an argument about it. <laughs> Now, you know, I remember back in the 80s when they randomly said that you couldn't celebrate touchdowns anymore right? and started throwing flags for no reason mm -hmm. at the, the smallest, you know, like if Walter gave Covert the ball and he spiked it, that would be a penalty. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. They just had all these dumb rules. And, of course, and they've lessened all of those and allow the whole damn defense to celebrate everything now. Mm -hmm. They have an uh, end zone camera. Mm -hmm. And they celebrate every turnover, which is annoying as fuck to me. Mm. But uh, so you allow the defense to do that. You allow touchdown celebrations, but a player can't clap on the field when he makes a good play. That's bizarre. And they said that's the new emphasis this year. Why? Yeah, what I guess what they want to try to eliminate here are, is uh, an explosive situation. Somebody claps in front of another player's face, says a few words, and all of a sudden punches are thrown and stuff. So they want to try to clean up that stuff. But I don't think it was a prevalent problem in the NFL that people were fighting against wow, one another. The only thing I can think of is that Miles Garrett play a few years ago with Pittsburgh yep. when he had that. I don't know what year that was, maybe 2018, 19. Mm, I, I want to guess it was 19. It seems like it was two seasons ago. If that's the only incident that I could think of. And Garrett said that he called him the N word, which I, I can't say they did or didn't. The white guy denied it. That's the only incident where I could say that they're, that, you know, maybe this is a result of that incident. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that was still a couple of years ago. So I don't know why this is the rule now. Yeah. Uh, November 15th, 2019 is when it hit when it happened 
Yeah, that was ugly. I yeah, mean, that, that was, was ugly. ugly. That was that was really bad. But I think that this is a stretch. Like this is going too far the other way. Like, I do you really think Gibson's play on Sunday deserved a, a, a taunting penalty? Hell, fucking no. And I'm not saying that because he's a bear. I just didn't see anything wrong. And even though, like, just to show you, I'm not biased. Is even though I'm biased for the bears, but on the calls, like. The one with Robert Quinn on the sidelines, the late hit, the, the drew, the quarterback, uh, Burrow, wanted that call, and he sort of initiated that and slowed up and wanted that hit. Mm-hmm. But it's like a, an NBA player, like a Vladi Divox, who was always flopping, mm-hmm. you know, trying to draw a charge. That's ex- that's what he did. But still, Quinn kind of hit him still, and okay, I throw the flag. Quinn's got to be better than that. Mm-hmm. Yep. But the the clapping, man, that that's a bullshit penalty if there's ever been one. And I was I was I said this on the Gabriel show on Monday. You know, I grew up watching Dick Butkus talking shit to people even before the game started. Dick right, Butkus that- in a famous NFL film segment said that he would look across the sideline, he would see somebody smiling, and he would say, "You motherfucker, you're smiling at my at, because you said something about my mother, right?" I mean, he would psych himself up so that he could play with that ferocious style. Now you can't do that. I'm sorry that you know you're making it a real pussy league. That, that is, uh, and I was surprised. You know that play where. Uh, it was a, a big ferocious hit where Akeem Hicks went out and hit the wide receiver. Yes. I, I thought, oh, man, what a big hit. What a great hit. Oh, shit. They're going to throw a flag for this. Because mm-hmm. usually now in the current NFL, if the hit looks really good, and that one did, mm-hmm. even if there's no intent, there's no helmet to helmet, but if it looks like a hit that you would isolate for NFL films in 88, mm-hmm. you know, where they're like the biggest hits of the season, you know, they always had those tapes. Mm-hmm. They uh, every uh, subscribe to Sports Illustrated and get they had the biggest hits of 1988 uh, free on VHS tape. They did that shit every year <laughs> and made those tapes and made money off them. But if there's a hit that looks like it belongs there, then they always throw a flag on it now. Yeah. But thankfully, Akeem didn't get one because boy, he laid that guy out. Yep. Um, and worked for it too. Followed him downfield. It was beautiful. Yep. I like this uh, funky toad. 08 says the personal fouls called on D Lyman for landing on a quarterback is total bullshit. I agree. Yeah. Some of those fouls now, yeah, you want to protect the quarterback from having the a Rogers th- rule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it is. You know, sometimes a 380 pound uh, defensive lineman will really thrust his weight onto an, a quarterback. And so some of those are a little on the edge, but they they're so cautious with it that they throw penalties so they throw flags that are not justified, just not justified. I still believe that they should have a referee up in the sky who is seeing things. And if he goes back and sees something that is, is uh, malicious, then if he can get the word downfield before the ball is snapped for the next play, get it downfield uh, and, and call the penalty that way. Because if we fans – can officiate the game better watching it on TV than the what? How many refs are there? Officials are there in an NFL game than the nine that are on the field? Then there's something wrong with the game. There's something totally wrong. And so why don't why aren't they using the technology to to become another official? They do with instant replay, but it could it could be expanded to help officials make the right calls and and 
not only correct bad calls. I almost wish, and this is never going to happen, but if you recall, like five, six years ago, when Des Bryant got fucked in Green Bay in a playoff game and clearly had the catch, and they said he didn't complete the process I or remember. whatever, yes. and, they, and they cheated Dallas up there, and they did. That, I mean, the fucking Packers always get those calls. Where they, they're like the Patriots, where they just always get calls no matter what. Pittsburgh's another team like that. They just get help every time in a playoff game. But my point is, I, I kind of like, I almost wish it was like football, like when we were growing up, man, like when the official on the field made the call and let's go. Yep. You know I what mean. I mean? There was no replay because the call seemed better than when they didn't have to. I feel like now, They'll be like, well, let's just go ahead and do this because we're going to go to the replay anyway. Yeah, well, that, that definitely happens. It happens a lot in college football, too. Yeah, just that you – I liked it better. When every – it seems like every catch now is something where you can be like, uh-oh, we can overturn it because of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, just every reception, there's something. Like, like what do you think about Marquise Goodwin's catch? Uh, on Sunday where uh, Dean Blandino said it's clearly not a catch, and then New York said it was a catch. Yeah. I didn't think it was a catch, but apparently, there, you know, I, I understand that there may not have been visual evidence to overturn the call. So I wish that's what they would say. Exactly. Not, yeah. But, yeah, XFL does it right, where they have fucking microphones up at the uh, uh, replay official, and you can hear the interaction between the replay official and the referee down on the field. Total transparency. Why the NFL doesn't do that is just another knock against that league. By the way, you I got to get... have done that. Go ahead, my man. I just got to get this in real quickly. PC, sure. PC says that we can call it flag football now, pun intended. <laughs> That's good. Good. That is good. Well that done. is really good. I was just going to say you couldn't have uh, had those conversations with Al Riveron on there because he was a fucking idiot. <laughs> Where is Al now? <laughs> he retired. Thank God. He, like, Al Riveron should be with Matt Nagy somewhere in hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dan. <laughs> I mean, for him to take Zach, uh, <laughs> the Zach Miller's touchdown away and still be like, hi, everyone, I'm Al Riveron, and this is why my call was right. No, it wasn't. <laughs> No one thought it was Sean Payton said it was the wrong call. No shit. Sean Payton said it was a catch. <laughs> yeah. Did you see any of that Monday? Well, you probably didn't because you were working, but the Monday night game, uh, Lions and Packers? Nope. I told Aaron this, Aaron McCloskey, uh, I always fuck up his last name, but I told Aaron this morning, we were texting when I woke up. I was like, for real, if if I watched 17 Packers games, they would go 15 and two every year. Like they always win when I watch. So if I can avoid watching them, I don't watch them. So I was hoping they would lose last night. I didn't watch a fucking second of it. I didn't watch one second of their game against New Orleans. Thankfully, they won or lost, rather. So, no, I didn't watch. I don't like to watch Green Bay. I love watching Green Bay. I love watching the Vikings, and I love watching the Lions. I just love to watch divisional games because I want to know. I like Detroit, Minnesota, watching them. I don't want to watch the Packers, though, because I don't, I'm sick of Rodgers. I'm sick of them winning. I'm sick. 30 years of this shit, their ugly uniforms, everything about that team I hate, especially in Green Bay. I hate that 
Dun, 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 dun. Go, Pat, go. That makes me want to kill myself. That is annoying as hell. That's worse than the Vikings horn. <laughs> or now when the Vikings got their new stadium, their new thing suddenly is to scream skull. Yeah. What the fuck is that? Skull. It's this old Viking saying. Uh, they never said that in the Metrodome. No, not in the Metrodome. No, they, they've, uh, they, I think they kind of, the team adapted it as a, as a moniker for the team about five, six, seven years ago. Um, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't yeah. like it. I don't like that fucking horn either. Yeah. But yeah, I don't hate Minnesota or Detroit the way I hate Green Bay. Mm -hmm. So I don't even want to watch Green Bay play. I mean, I, I'm, I was telling Aaron, the good thing is this. When the Bears play the Packers at Soldier Field this year, I will not be watching live because I'll be at the Slipknot concert unless COVID ruins everything like it always does and they cancel the show. Uh, so the Bears have a chance to beat Green Bay because I won't be watching. I'll have to watch it later. It'll be over, though. So the Bears can actually win that game somehow. <laughs> Oh man, you gotta watch every. I can't believe you're gonna go to a concert and miss out on a live Bears game. Well, I didn't know what the schedule was gonna be at the time. For one, I bought the tickets a long time ago, <laughs> uh, and it was right when COVID looked like it was going the right way, and yeah. concerts were opening up. And Charlotte's is such an easy drive for me, mm -hmm. so I was like, "Yes, Slipknot, let me go," you know. And I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck, it's Sunday. It's during the regular." I already bought tickets though. I can't wait for this weekend, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And then obviously the next weekend too. Yeah. Um, it's We've been talking about for so long. It just felt like, you know, well, that's going to happen in 2024. You know, it just, <laughs> it, it just felt like it. it's going to happen later. You know, it's going to happen later. And finally later is, is coming up pretty quickly. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Danny and yeah. I are talking about that. He and I are going to meet for the first time. We're both going to be at – the Cleveland Browns Chicago Bears game on Sunday. And then the following week, he's driving from his home in Virginia all the way to Chicago to uh watch the Lions and um and Bears play. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be his guest. He, he's bought me a ticket and he uh, is you be bought my ticket at the Browns game. So and, and he's gonna be my guest here at home. So uh either way, I'm gonna get some video of him fucking. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be either in a hotel room in Cleveland or the guest room at the Gandia residence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, this is true. Uh, I'm not I'm gonna keep this vague. Yeah. This is absolutely true. I worked for three years at a police department. Okay. I got laid off from the radio station mm -hmm. in 2009. Okay. And I didn't get called back to 13, literally four years. I thought my radio career was over. For the most part, mm -hmm. I've been in radio since like 2000, okay. with the exception of those years of nine through 13. Well, I came back in 13. But during that time, I worked for the police department. Again, I wasn't an officer, but I did all their bitch work. I mm -hmm. took the, the property. I you know, I typed their warrants. I dealt with the, the people in jail. I answered the phones. I did all the bitch work. The reason I say this, and I'm not going to say the name of the place at all because it was an unproven accusation and ultimately they didn't have enough on him. But there was a gentleman close by. I'll just keep it vaguely. A gentleman close by who happens to be an Indian national, which could be anybody. So mm -hmm. I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. Sure. He had a deal. This is alleged, but I worked at the PD and they knew it was pretty much true. They just didn't have enough to, and of course, not what you know, it's what you can prove. Mm -hmm. He had a deal with the local hookers. Mm -hmm. 
where he would let them have free rooms in his hotel, but he had a hidden camera and he was recording the Johns and the hookers and sending that shit back to India as amateur porn. Really? Yes. He had hidden cameras in his hotel. They knew it. They had several hookers that were telling him, but in the end, they didn't have enough for whatever reason to go to court and win. So it kind of just was like, well, we know this is going on, but what can you do? So what you're saying is there's video of you in India of you fucking some prostitutes. <laughs> I've never been in this gentleman's hotel. It is really, it's one of those that has hourly rates. So that, I mean, for a reason. Oh yeah. It's, it is a shithole. And there's always drug overdoses there. So yeah, I've never set, sat foot in that hotel. But uh, like I said, that, that kind of shit happens, you know? So the, Maybe in Cleveland, we're in a better place, I hope. <laughs> have, no have you ever gone to a, a, one of those CD hotels, you know, that, you know, uh, for an hour? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Absolutely. I, I didn't mean to, and at the time I was married, and she was so pissed about this. We were going to a festival, and it's one of those, you know, you're gone three or four days for a rock festival. And we were in, like, I think, Charlotte. So it wasn't even, like, a that far away from home, but we were gone, like, three or four days. So we had to have a hotel. and. I booked something on Priceline. So I blame this on William Shatner. <laughs> I booked something on Priceline. I was like, oh, this is a great deal. It's like $46 a night. And it's because it's Priceline. It was not because it was Priceline. This place was dreadful. We go, we go to it. If you can envision like a Motel 6 where the rooms like are outside, mm -hmm. you walk straight to the door, but you can see it on the outside. Mm -hmm. That's the way this was. But we went to the elevator because it had three floors. Go to the elevator and says, hey, we're sorry. The elevator's not working. Go take the stairs. So we're like, okay. So we go to the stairs because the room was on the third floor. We go to the stairs and it says, per management, you're, if you walk on, this isn't verbatim. This is six, seven years ago. But the gist of it said, if you get on the stairs and something bad happens, it's on you. Like it says, only you use these steps if you have to. But their elevator didn't work either. So you had to use the stairs. So you're like, my God, the stairs are going to collapse. And then uh, my wife at the time was one of these people that was one of those pussy non-smokers. Like, again, I don't smoke either, but she, like, hated smoke. Mm -hmm. It was one of the ones that if you smoked around her, you better turn out all the lights and put a blanket over your fucking head and go outside. You know, like, and never be around. You know, she was just, she hated smoke. So, and we were in a non-smoking room because, again, I don't smoke any either, but she had to have non-smoking. And still our room smelled like, it smelled like an ashtray. Oh my gosh. That's awful. Yeah. And those stairs and the elevator, we, she was checking every time we'd come back, she'd say, there's going to be bed bugs in this fucking bed. <laughs> so she checked the bed every time. As soon as we walked back in, she was like, let me make sure my wallet, you know, the cards and they, these fuckers haven't stolen something. So yeah, it was that shitty though. She's like, I cannot believe we're here. This is your fault. <laughs> I'm like, well, you can blame Priceline. I didn't know it. It's you know, Shatner's fault. Sweetheart. It had two stars. I mean, I thought it would be okay. <laughs> uh, two, I mean, you know, two stars, you figure you're going to get the basics, a good shower, uh, you know, a TV. Mm -hmm. Like, you might not have a refrigerator, but you have a bed, a TV, maybe Wi-Fi and a warm shower. That's all you really need. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be gone all day anyway, but fuck, this was horrible. 4,000 Clover says, in a lot of countries, hourly hotels are really nice because they're fuck hotels. Got all the accommodations like vibrating beds, only porn channels on TV, a hot tub, a mirror on the ceiling, all the fixings. 
4,000 Clovers has been around, man. That sounds like a Barilissimo story. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, whoa, look at this picture up on the screen. That doesn't look good. Let me fix that. All right. I want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you've been watching on television over at, and I forgot that this was already on. FX channel is running that mini series called impeachment, yeah. which is about Bill Clinton getting a blow job from a, an intern at the white house. Well, it's not just that though. Okay. It covers Paula Jones too. Oh, okay. It's so the whole thing. Now it's about like there, there's an episode that's probably on right now. Mm -hmm. uh, the third one's tonight, two episodes have aired. I, I have watched both of them. Mm -hmm. uh, the Jonah Hill's sister plays Monica Lewinsky. Mm hmm uh, Monica is a producer, so this is going to be from her perspective, but I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Because for years she didn't talk about it because she was so ashamed and, and horrified by the way she was treated. And, and there's no way around it. Like I know you and I have the reputation for being left wingers and, and I own that, but Bill treated her like shit. Mm -hmm. Bill like was awful to her when it became politically expedient for him to be awful to her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so I'm glad that she gets her say. That's why I wanted to watch it was like, well, well fuck, if Monica's on board with it, then I'm going to be on board. So I watched it. And uh, Sarah Paulson, who is usually an American horror story, because the guy that does that's name's Ryan Murphy. Mm -hmm. uh, he's he's somehow involved. He did that OJ series, too, with John Travolta is uh, is uh, as a uh, fuck. What's his name? The white attorney. Bob oh, Shapiro. Bob Shapiro. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you watched that or not. It was yes. really good. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Sarah Paulson plays Linda Tripp, mm -hmm. who, if you know the story, oh, yeah. she's the one that was like the whistleblower on Monica. Like Monica didn't like seek fame in any way. And obviously Clinton wasn't trying to get that brought out, but you know, you had Ken Starr trying to come up with anything. You've got Ann Coulter on there, like a lady playing Ann Coulter per perfectly. Sounds just like her, looks like her, you know, trying to come up with dirt, trying to influence the Paula Jones thing for impeachment. The whole they're looking for impeach the way the Republicans always say the Democrat, they they wanted to get rid of Trump no matter what. That's exactly what they did to Bill Clinton mm. and literally got him impeached over fucking nothing. I guess he technically lied under oath, which is something we you and I would go to jail for. But fuck, you tell me Donald Trump hasn't lied under oath. Get the fuck out of here. But uh yeah, so the show bounces around in time frames. Like, uh, you know, it's it's nonlinear, which I know that wouldn't be a problem for you. No. But it, it, it shows how Monica and Paula Jones come together in terms of their stories and are being exploited by the Republicans. You even see how the people that are supporting Paula Jones to her face behind her back are like, yeah, she's a fucking idiot. She's a dummy. But, you know, we can use her for this. And just her whole story was just to to fuck with Bill, you know, mm -hmm. basically. Of course, I understood why she wanted to be vindicated personally, but the people that were supporting her publicly were doing it for a completely different reason. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm no fan of Bill per se. I think he's a great speaker. I think he's an awesome speaker. I think he's pretty disingenuous at times and certainly duplicitous. Um, so I'm not his biggest fan by any stretch. But if even if you are, I think you'll like it just because from what I can gather, from what I remember, there's nothing that I've seen so far that's inaccurate. Mm -hmm. And that's I, what I would shit on. 
I I am really looking forward to it. I'm I I'm sorry that I it, it kind of snuck up on me. So third episode is premiering tonight. So I will definitely catch up on that. And I heard a story that um um uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, you just mentioned her name, Linda Tripp. Uh, yeah, the uh, the actress that plays her was being, Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson was being shamed because she wore a fat suit to play Linda Tripp, and and so social media started to shame her. Have you heard anything? Yeah. I didn't know that, but they are hitting home. I mean, again, Linda Tripp did fuck Monica over bad. Yes, indeed. She was recording her conversations and stuff and exploiting this. But you see how lonely Linda Tripp is, and they show that Linda is trying hard with Slim Fast. Do you remember that? I don't know if that's still around or yeah, not. Yeah, sure. But it shows her with Slim Fast and how lonely she is. Like, even though she's a mom, she's sitting at home every day watching the NBC nightly news, eating a TV dinner by herself. And so you kind of almost feel sorry for her, but she is battling uh, in her own mind. She's battling her weight. So if they put a fat suit on her and put extra weights, because Sarah Paulson weighs like 92 pounds. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe they did have to make her, I mean, Linda Tripp wasn't like fat, fat, but I mean, she did have some weight on her. I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't awful, but, you can understand from a woman's perspective, she's single, she's trying to lose weight, and that's part of her character. So I remember I, I, I think that's bullshit to criticize Sarah Paulson on that. If anything, you say she shouldn't be cast as her, but yeah. for her to just make herself bigger because Linda Tripp was bigger, I mean, that's just realistic. Exactly. I, mean, I remember John Goodman playing Linda Tripp on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I remember John Goodman also playing Babe Ruth. <laughs> just, did you right. see that movie the babe I, I saw like 20 minutes of it i, I just couldn't anymore I, couldn't. I liked it as a kid and then went back and rewatched it as an adult uh, and i didn't realize how bad like it was all fictional like uh, they had him hitting three home runs in his final game and then he quit and like no that shit was real i was like why would this how did this get to production yeah why would goodman who i think is a a great actor and has bears been a, fan. A, yeah bears fan and has been in a lot of great projects why would he read that script and say yeah i want to do that i want to play a fictional babe Ruth. i want to really distort his myth so to me it doesn't make yeah. any sense yeah, I agree. But uh, the impeachment story is good, I think, uh, for somebody that likes politics. Mm -hmm. And this you don't have to be a left-winger. You could be a conservative and just really, really hate Bill Clinton mm -hmm. and, and enjoy this. But you could also be a liberal and enjoy it. I, I think it's pretty good. But if you really don't like politics at all, if you don't remember Vince Foster killing himself, mm -hmm. you know, if you're not in the weeds a little bit and don't enjoy it, you might not like the show. Yeah. You have to like politics a little bit, I think. Yeah. I, because I, otherwise you wouldn't know the stories. Right. Exactly. I think you have to come in with a little bit of a frame of reference. Um, uh, so th there's something else that you've seen that you wanted to share with our audience. A, a couple of other things, right? Yeah, yeah. One thing I wanted to talk to you about was the Monday night football broadcast with the Manning brothers. Yeah. I saw the one last week. I didn't see last night's. So. I didn't watch last night at all. Cause it was green Bay. Mm-hmm. I did watch week one mm -hmm. and I got to say, I, I, I watched it later. It had already aired cause I was at work mm -hmm. and I kept reading on Twitter. Like when I was just on Twitter, everyone praising it. Mm -hmm. So I went into it with the idea of like, this is something special or it's going to be great. No, I was no fan of Peyton as a player, uh, at all. And I, you know, but there was a couple digs like Eli talked about 
how big Peyton's head was and shit like that. And I thought, though, that's funny. You know, a little brother going after brother. But it got an intrusive. Like, they interviewed Charles Barkley. who I love Barkley, but they, like, the game became too secondary. Like, they were just talking over plays and not even acknowledging the plays. It might as well just be us talking over. It'd be like if we were like, well, we're going to be out Dan and Aldo live during the Bears game with Cleveland. Like, well, we're here, and we're expecting you just to listen to us and not pay attention to the game. That's kind of what Peyton and Eli are doing. Oh, it would be like this. Well, uh, Justin Fields is coming back out for a second series, and there is Dan getting his dick. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I – like I said, all jokes aside, I thought it was the game was too secondary to the broadcast. I mean, they were talking about shit with Barkley, like, well, what do you think LeBron James would play if he was in the NFL? Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt like you could be having this discussion at 5.30 p.m. on ESPN on, like, pardon the interruption, mm-hmm. not during the fucking game. So I'm giving it a thumbs down. Uh, I definitely, I thought going into it that they were just doing the game, like for real doing the game. Yeah. And it was just like alternate commentary. Right. So I thought when the bears are on Monday night, hell, I might check that out. Right. You know, but there's no way now because they, they don't talk about the fucking game at all. Hardly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, I, um, I do think that they talked about the game. I mean, the, the, the game that I saw, which was last week's. That, that was well, I, that's okay. the one I watched. It was okay. just it, the game kind of got secondary, like when they had Barkley on and stuff. Yeah, I agree. When I, I it, it didn't work for me when they had the guests on, and they there were some nice moments with the guests, but I'd rather them talk about football. And I don't mind if they deviate a little bit and talk about you know a prior game or something like that. But I just wanted the Mannings to talk about football. And so when you bring in a Charles Barkley or you bring in. Uh, Russell Wilson, or you bring in a couple of the other guys that I saw, it, it didn't work as well for me. I did find it entertaining, and it's a new way of broadcasting a game because sometimes I get tired of the traditional broadcast style, you know, third down and 11, you know. yeah. And so tuning into, you know, whether it's scouts talking about the players from a scouting perspective or the Manning brothers talking about football from their perspective as former professional players and they're funny and they're brothers and they give each other shit or whatever. I think, I think that the broadcast networks that have these contracts with the NFL, that they should be exploring that. I don't mind the Nickelodeon thing. I'm not going to watch it. I don't, I don't want to see green slime on players. Yeah, I agree with you. But, but that's a way of trying to grow the league with younger people. And so that's cool. I I'm all for experimentation and innovation, but I still want the traditional broadcast. I still want good commentators. I love Al Michaels. Chris Collinsworth is okay, uh, but I still want that as my go-to. And in fact, during that Manning game, I would watch a little bit. And then when they were interviewing somebody, I went back to the original ESPN broadcast. And uh, and so I, I think it's okay to experiment with this stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I wanted the Mannings to just be doing the game. And I don't mind them telling their stories or anything like that. Like, I wanted that. Mm-hmm. And I like them going, the, the idea of two brothers doing the game, even if I don't like Peyton, uh, I thought was a cool idea. And like, just like you said, it's an alternative, like commentary. So I like, it doesn't have to be buttoned up. I, I don't, I had no problems with them not wearing suits and things like that. 
that's cool. But I just wanted them to be more into the game versus yeah. it feeling like it's just an interview on a podcast that's secondary from the game. I, I agree with that. The more they talked about the game, the more fascinated I was with that. Uh, I liked how they would tell explain the check downs and stuff. Mm -hmm. exactly. Like they would give you a specific play and tell you, uh, well, what Derek Carr did there. Mm -hmm. Like that was really interesting. I, I liked hearing that. I wanted more of that. Mm -hmm. But all in all, like, I'm not going to watch that probably again, unfortunately, because, like I said, the football became more of an afterthought, in my opinion. And it was strange, too. You could hear the technical director uh, several times or the floor director counting them down when they were going to commercial. Yeah. Like, they were in the middle of the interview, and you hear, like, five, four. <laughs> and when they were coming back, like, I, we're not supposed to hear those cues, are we? <laughs> no, like, like the old somebody's mic was supposed to be off, I think. Yeah. Like, maybe they're just working out the, the kinks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, like the old Monday Night Football opening when ABC Monday Night Football first started. That's how it's, that's how uh, their broadcast would start with, with the guy saying, okay, five, four, take camera three. But uh, that wasn't supposed to happen during the meetings. But, yeah, I, I'm actually looking forward to the next one, and I think they're just going to get better at it. But, yeah, it was really rough at, at certain points. There's no doubt about that. What I else got another you... question. For... Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You got a question. I was going to say I got a question for you then because it veers, it teases Cleveland next week too. Okay. So uh, my question is this. In week two, we had, although he never played for us per se, but he was in uniform, we had Mark Sanchez doing the game. And I didn't think Sanchez was that bad, so I was going to ask you your analysis on Sanchez. But to look forward to week three, of course, we won't hear the commentary, at least not live. I'm sure I'll go back and watch the copy when I get home. I'm right. sure you will, too. Sure. Uh, we're getting Greg Olson next week. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, Greg Olson's supposed to be on our broadcast. So I don't know who his play-by-play -play guy is, but I, I saw someone retweeted that he said he had the Chicago game this week. Well, how cool is that? Let me see. Browns, Bears, announcers. I'm putting that in the Google machine and see what comes up. Ooh, look at that. Making pictures of, uh, no. Um, not saying. Vern Lundquist. No, that's from 1987. Um, yeah, I'm definitely interested in listening to Greg Olson do that. And I thought Mark, Mark Sanchez did a good job. I was surprised at all of the negative comments that were being hurled at him and that entire uh, – who was the play-by-play -play guy with him? Kevin Kugler or something? Yeah. I thought he was okay too. I thought he was fine, I, so I didn't understand yeah. that. I think a lot of it just has to do with the rep some of these guys have. you know. And I, I made a joke uh, uh, on the after-game show, Bear Football, that – Mark's only mistake was that he was wearing white pants. You don't wear white pants in, in September in Chicago. That's a no-no. In fact, you should. Was it like after Labor Day thing? Exactly. I used to work with a reporter at uh, WBBM-TV. His name was Bulldog Drummond. This guy was an old cigar-chomping guy who co covered every major crime boss in Chicago for decades. And his rule was you always wear long underwear. <laughs> from Labor Day to Memorial Day in Chicago, because you just never know when the temperature will, will drop, uh, and you don't wear white pants. <laughs> so, but I thought Sanchez was good. I, um, he he actually, somebody in the chat room said something about he wants to be like Romo. Well, what, there's nothing wrong with that. Romo's pretty damn good at what he does. He does get annoying, but he uh, he, he I thought he was good. Four thousand Clovers has agreed. All I thought he special. Went... Go ahead. 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. I want to hear what he, the Clovers had to say. I was going to say that I thought he, he predicted the play sometimes based on the formation, mm-hmm. but I don't think he was like trying to, and I could be wrong. It's just my opinion. I didn't think he was like going into the game. Like I'm going to predict some stuff like Romo. I just thought he, he read the formation and I said, agree. well, you can tell they're going to run to the left on this one. I agree. I agree. By the way, Michael Diaz is telling everybody to hit the like button. Thank you, Michael, for that. And 4,000 Clover says, I agreed, although it was nothing special and nothing bad, just normal. Uh, Deborah Miller says, my bad. I just hit the like button. Thank you, Deborah, for taking Hello, orders Deborah. from Michael I like Diaz. more women, Brandy and Deborah. Yeah. Deborah, you want to be on the show? Let me know. We'll uh, send you a link and... Uh, that you you can talk to Dan about a second. No, no, no. I won't talk dirty to you, Deborah. I promise. <laughs> I won't be a piece of shit. I promise. AC Adams says Sanchez is just way too corny. There is a little bit of corn in his uh delivery, but I, I yeah, the you. fumble thing was corny. Yes. The country fumble, <laughs> the city fumble, or whatever he said. Right. Uh, I want to hear your comment on this. Lass says, as long as Dick Stockton isn't doing the games. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's so unfortunate because uh, he has retired now. But, you know, Dick was kind of like what I was saying about Eastwood a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Like Dick Stockton's in his 80s now. He was a legend. I mean, he covered the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. He covered the World Series. He was the number two guy for the NFL and CBS and the number two guy for the NFL and Fox for years. Mm -hmm. So he was excellent. But when he got older, older, he did make some mistakes, but because of who he used to be, Mm -hmm. like he always, I, I would never denigrate him because this guy, like I said, he was, you go back and watch the NBA on CBS in the eighties. Now I love Marv Albert on NBC in the nineties, but Dick Stockton was great doing the finals. Mm-hmm. I mean, great. So I never forgot that when, it, even though he got older. So yeah, I never denigrated Dick Stockton. I, I had a place in my heart for Dick Stockton. There is something though about Pat Summerall too. Yeah. When, and when some of these guys get old and it just aren't nearly as good as they used to be, I, I don't want to be ageist. I don't want to discriminate against people's age, but if their performance isn't up to speed uh, and there are other people, regardless of what age they are, or, or um, maybe it's time to, to replace them. Well, in Summerall's case, they moved him to the bottom of the t- of the rung there and had him doing games with Brian Baldinger after they split he and Madden up when Madden went to Monday night mm-hmm. and was working with uh, Al Michaels on ABC, and then they went to NBC together. And uh, Dick Stockton, you know, I told you he was number two, and then by, by the time at the end there at Fox, he was doing a random game whenever they needed him when someone else was off. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like he was every week or something. It just felt like the Bears, see, the Bears always had the shit game because we sucked, so that's why we got him a lot. Like, if he did 10 games in the last 10 years, we had probably eight of them. That's right. (laughs) But I liked liked it, and it's okay sometimes to have a novelty like that, you know? Yeah, but I wouldn't have him in my five all-time NFL announcers. Number one would be Al Michaels. I just, I think. Over Pat? Yeah. Pat comes in. Oh, I like Pat Summerall. Pat comes in at number two. We're talking just play-by-play. Play-by-play, not analysts. Play-by-play. I love Pat Summerall. To me, he's the best ever, like unquestionably. Uh, I also do like Al, like at least for his longevity. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's there's nobody brighter than Al Dick Enberg. I love Dick Enberg. Dick Enberg was good. 
he's probably five on my list. You're not. You're I gonna, liked Don Cricky. Yeah, he was okay. You're gonna Don hate Cricky number three number on my list. He was actually traded at one point. Yeah, Don Cricky was traded from CBS to NBC. That's, that's true. right. That's right. Yes. Laz, not John Madden because he was an analyst. So you got You got to give us a play-by-play guy. For, for analyst, it's Madden, but I also like Tom Brookshire. Yeah, uh, but he, yeah, Madden was great, and uh, Merlin Olson was solid. Mm-hmm. Completely different in their approach, but both were solid in big games. Uh, you know, I really liked uh, was Jerry Glanville when Fox first started. They had yeah, Jerry Glanville bad. and Kevin Harlan together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Harlan, of course, has made a career at CBS since then. But the first three or four years Fox had football, it was Kevin Harlan and Jerry Glanville. I love Jerry Glanville. George Allen was great, too. Oh, George Allen was good. Yes. I tell you who I hate it on football. I know it's an unpopular opinion. I've told you this off air. I absolutely hate Vince Scully on football. He is so fucking boring. He did the Bears 79 playoff game with Philly. He did the a- NFC Championship, the catch. Uh, and I don't know if you know the story behind that. In 81, so they broke up Tom Brookshire and Pat Summerall. Mm-hmm. So they were like, look, Pat, if he stays with Brookshire, they, these two guys are going to drink each other to death. Because mm-hmm. when they're around each other, they're drunk. <laughs> and it's starting <laughs> to affect their on-air work. They're bad. In, they're too good of friends. Yep. So the network said, we're going to go with John Madden. Well, who is our number one now? Because Pat's drunk all the time. We don't know if we can rely on him. So half that season, they gave Madden to some games of Summerall. And then the rest of the season, he did some games of Vince Scully. And they had the Super Bowl that year. So in the end, Vince Scully got mad because they gave the Super Bowl to Pat Summerall, Super Bowl 16. So they tried to give him, like, okay, okay, Vin, you've got the NFC Championship game then. You can do. So he did the catch with Dwight Clark. It was Vince Scully and Hank Stram. I mean, I like Hank Stram a lot too. Mm-hmm. But they gave him the NFC Championship game, like, just to placate him, and he still was salty and left because Pat got mad and he didn't. Wow. And he sucked on the mic. Wow. He sucked. He was so boring. Now, Dodger fans will you know want to fight me over that. Shane would want to fight me over that. Uh, he's a big Dodger fan. Shout That's out it. to Shane, and I'm glad that he and his dad got to experience that World Series yeah. uh, championship together. Uh, and maybe as a baseball announcer, I would have liked him, but on the on the NFL, he was horrible. Well, I, my, I'm my, a big Vince Scully fan too, but for baseball, I, I I've, for football, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Nothing special, but one guy that I love is play by play, and I know you dislike him. Um, Joe Buck? No, no. Although I don't think Joe Buck is bad. Um, or Jim Nance. I don't like Jim Nance. Jim Nance, I hate. <laughs> let me. Play, I like Greg Gumble, but go ahead. Go ahead. Let me play a little bit of this, and so see if you. Uh, can, I know you're going to recognize it as soon as I play it. So, but hold on a second. Let me cue this up. I don't like Ian Eagle either. Everyone likes Ian Eagle, but me. He's got a great fucking name, though. I'll tell you that. Why uh, isn't his name Ian? I don't know, but listen to this. I'll be calling the plays for you during the first half of today's game. To my right is Jack Buck. Oh, that's Ray Scott. Ray Scott, man. He was one of the fucking best. Yeah, Ray Scott. Ray Scott's boring to me. You watch like Super Bowl Eight. They had Summerall as the actual color guy. 
and nope. he and Ray did Super Bowl six and eight together. He wasn't I, boring. He let, I think Pat is so much better than Ray Scott. Like it's head, he let si- he let silence. He let the sounds of the game help tell the story. So his play by play was minimal. He he was a minimalist, and I I think that was really really good. Let's hear the the. The, the crowd uh, cheering. Let's hear the whistles on uh, on the field and so forth. He was a, a pioneer. And I just not, didn't like his voice. I just didn't like his voice. I you didn't find like him Ray a little Scott's boring. Voice. Oh my gosh, he had the deep pipes. You know, little guy with deep pipes. I, I like Jack Whitaker at CBS, yeah. and I like Pat Summerall. I don't. I didn't like Ray Scott. I don't know, man. What about Chris Berman? <laughs> I love Chris Berman. So many people shit on Chris Berman. Chris Berman is a fucking legend. Yep. Chris Berman started ESPN 79 and Chris Berman, other than NFL films, he and Tom Jackson, Tom Jackson are my fucking youth. Yeah. I love NFL prime time. So many of those old games, like if you go back in the ones I've sent you or the 85 and things like that, like after the game, mm-hmm. it'll be NFL prime time on there. Yeah. Cool. Those things are so fun to revisit, man. Berman Absolutely. was so good. I, I I don't know why people hated Berman. I, I liked him. No, he was kind of a dick, but uh, off the air. But yeah, maybe that he was an asshole. Yeah. But on air, he was an innovator. Yeah. I didn't even hate him doing baseball. A lot of people hated him on baseball. I liked him. Uh, I thought Berman was a fucking legend. Did you? Uh, what about Dan Meredith? Dandy Dan. Don Meredith. Don is great. Yeah. Don is great. Like you'd have. I wasn't the biggest fan of Kirk Gowdy, uh, as maybe everyone else was. Yeah, And I, I don't know if you know that story or remembered like, so, uh, but to, I'll get, I'll circle back to Don and Kurt in a second, Okay, but they, the, one of the bowl games that NBC did back then, I don't remember which one it was, maybe the Rose bowl, something was on new year's day. And they also had Kurt Gowdy do that bowl game. Mm-hmm. So on this particular day, the AFC championship came up and the bowl game and Kurt did the bowl game. And, uh, so they had Dick Enberg sit in, uh, for him and do the AFC championship game, which was Oakland at Denver Mm -hmm. in 77 on January 1st of 78. And Enberg was so good. So awesome that they were like, okay, this is our guy now. So after the next season, Kirk Gowdy was still number one, but that was the last year in his deal. Mm-hmm. They let him leave after that and gave the gig to Enberg. Oh, but it was because he got the opportunity. And the reason why I'll tell you why I don't like Gowdy as much. If you go back and watch the name of the Super Bowl, for example, the biggest Super Bowl ever at the time for what it represented mm-hmm. in Super Bowl three. Sure. You got a guy who is an 18 point underdog. Who's and the league has never beaten the NFL. The league has never won. Mm-hmm. 18-pointer dog. He's guaranteed victory, and he's doing it. And he's MVP, and the Colts won 15 games, and they are being embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And he, bar- he barely talks about it. Throughout the game, he's barely selling the story. He's, it's like, I don't know what, what his problem was that day, but he's not selling it. Conversely, like just years later, if you watch the championship games, he's never selling the story. Like he's never saying, well, I'll just compare it to Enberg. Enberg is like, you know, immediately the Raiders in Denver game, he's saying, boy, the winner of this game, Dallas is going to have their hands full next week in the Super Bowl. You know, he's always 
telling you the story, what the consequences are of this blown call, of this fumble, this turnover. How is this going to impact this game? He's telling you the story always. So even if you're not a diehard football fan like us, mm-hmm. you could watch that game and be informed and know what's at stake. And Kirk Gotti never told the story. And I know everyone would disagree that he's a legend, but he never sold the story and told you what, what Namath's comments meant, what this meant for the league. He should have been saying the NFL was no people thought that the NFL wouldn't win this game for 20 years. And and the AFL's winning, and the, the guy that guaranteed victory is going to be MVP. What does this all mean? You know, I mean, he's not talking about it at all. But to answer your question, to go back, I thought Gowdy was still good, but he, like, but put him with Don Meredith because Meredith left Monday Night Football and was did NBC for a few years, did two Super Bowls actually with Gowdy, and he's so like Southern. And but it's different than everybody else in the booth that it works. Like Don would be like, "Oh boy, oh boy!" Whenever there's a turnover, like I would hate like to know the guy in real life saying that in my in my house. <laughs> but on the screen, it was it was mesmerizing because mm-hmm. again, it was it was so like it wasn't a put on. He just happened to be southern, you know. Sure. And and it just he was being nothing but himself, just like John Madden. He was mm-hmm. being authentic. So I thought Meredith was great in the short answer. I thought Meredith's great. I thought he, it was great for NBC and obviously great on Monday night football. And I, and I grew up listening to that Monday night football crew of uh, Howard Cosell, Meredith and Frank Gifford and Frank Gifford. The first season, it was Tom Jackson and he was replaced by Gifford uh, after that. And I thought they were great. And I was a big, big fan of Howard Cosell. I remember at the age of 10 or 11, reading his autobiography Cosell by Cosell and just loved his take on sports. And of course, you know, he covered boxing and I'm a big boxing, his boxing fan. is great. Yeah. Uh, he, he and great, even better than football probably. Right. Yes. By the way, Laz a, a couple of times has come to the defense of Kirk Gowdy and Kirk Gowdy as, as Laz just wrote here, had a unique voice, but I didn't particularly like his voice for football. You know, I prefer more of the deeper voice, the Ray Scotts, the Pat Summerall's, and so forth. Gowdy's voice was more of the American sportsman, that, that TV show that he did uh, regularly. And, and I thought he had a good voice for baseball. But for, for football, it didn't, didn't uh, work for me. But back to Howard Cosell, I just, I just really loved his erudite way of talking about the – the game, you know, he would do one of the popular things on Monday Night Football back then was the halftime highlights. And every every fan wanted their team's highlights on Monday Night Football. They didn't do they didn't do the highlights for all the games. There was just a select few. And Cosell would just ad lib the entire thing. It wasn't scripted. He would just sit there in the booth. You know, it's, there's actually video of it in the cold, wearing his trench coat, and he's watching the highlights, and he's just talking, ad-libbing through it with that great nasal voice. I love the accent. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. But but what was sad about Cosell is that he had a huge ego, and by the time he was getting up there in years, he was so ridiculed and so hated by many people. Um, it, it was a very, very sad life. And I remember Frank Gifford writing about him 
for TV Guide magazine when Cosell died. And even Frank Gifford had a hard time saying a lot of nice things to Cosell about Cosell because Cosell would sometimes say things about Frank off the air that made him uncomfortable and made him feel stupid. Uh, and I recall one uh, one story that Gifford shared where Cosell met uh, Gifford's wife. This was before Kathy Lee and and told her you could do so much better than Frank. Oh my goodness. You, you, you still have time to, to get, get away from this relationship, do so much better. And Frank, maybe he, that's something Phil would say to somebody <laughs> and say it was busting balls. Yeah. Well, and I've used that a few times too, since I, since I heard that, because I thought it was a great way to bust somebody's balls and maybe that's all Cosell was doing, but Frank took it very, very personally. And, and he, he just did not like a lot of the things that, that Cosell said. So don't know him personally, of course, I can't speak to, you know, how he was off the air, but as a broadcaster, Cosell was one of my all-time favorites. And he broke the news basically to the world about Lennon being shot. Yes, which was very, very controversial. You know, he, he had to make the decision, should I mention this during a very pivotal time of the game and kind of, you know, cast a a dark cloud over the game it becomes it's like the game doesn't mean anything now because one of history's finest artists has been shot and he said you know it's news got to do it and i think he made the right call i agree because there's no twitter then there was no you know twitter. there's no i mean as you know there's no internet so it's nobody knew that was watching the game that's right so yeah it's it's cool you know you that story the anecdote you read or said rather about frank gifford and the the tension perhaps with uh, Howard mm -hmm. it reminds me of something I read in that ESPN book that came out, you know, 10, 12 years ago mm -hmm. called something. It was like, these guys have all the fun. Yes. I've been meaning to read that. Yeah. It's such a good book. And, uh, Mike Tirico was such a dick to Tony Kornheiser. Mm -hmm. Remember when Kornheiser was on Monday night for a few years. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was just like, dude, you're not qualified. You shouldn't be here. Fuck you. It was just an asshole, and like Mike Tirico was accused of so many sexual harassments at yes, ESPN, yes. things you would never know. That's just it baffles me that this guy. I mean, I know we live in cancel culture. I'm glad in that aspect he was able to overcome it because maybe he's a great guy now, mm -hmm. but he has a very checkered past. And just uh, to read in the book, like Joe Theismann was so good at ESPN for years with Mike Patrick on Sunday night football. Mm -hmm. So when they got Monday night, they put Theismann on there initially. And then Theismann basically lost his gig because uh, Mike Tirico was buddies with Ron Jaworski. Oh, so he wanted jaws there Wow! and then got stuck with Kornheiser on top of it. Oh, so goodness. he was a dick to Kornheiser the whole time and wanted him to fail on air the same way Al Michaels, he did that to Eric Dickerson when Dickerson was the sideline reporter. Really? Anytime ED made a mistake, he would call it out and mock him on air, basically, and was just a relentless asshole to Eric Dickerson. I didn't know that. Yeah, so those that book is really super interesting. Uh, if I mean, you, you get everyone's perspective, and it might not even just be about games, like, Keith Olbermann was, boy, you know, Keith, Keith likes to shoot, as they say, uh, in wrestling terms, uh, meaning he tells you the full story, whether you want it or not. And he was talking about how big a fucking bitch Susie Culver was 
And when he got forced to go to ESPN2 to be the face of the network in circa 93 when it launched, and that everybody there, he said, everybody on that fucking staff, everybody hated Susie Colbert. Really? And they, they all partied when she left. Wow. I, I'm so disappointed. I, yeah, they I said she Susie. was an asshole. Uh, and like the whole staff hated her. I love Susie Colbert, says Laro Golden. I do too. Well, again, that's a story from 93. She left and came back. Maybe she's a better person now. I hope so. I mean, I can't remember exactly what his examples were because I read this book over a decade ago, but he, he gave them. Oh, did he give them? <laughs> so, yeah. And then you would have Susie Colbert's reaction. Like the book is, it, they, they went like if I said Aldo Gandhi is a fucking asshole, they'd go to you and say, Aldo, Dan says you're an asshole. What's your answer to this? He's right. You know, they, they, <laughs> well, I'm saying they, they gave both sides of the story. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Last right, says that really uh, Joe Namath didn't hate Susie Colbert. <laughs> <Good one last. laughs> I, I love Namath, man. I love him. Oh, man. That was, I don't know. Didn't we talk about this last week? Or I talked Yeah, about, we did talk about yeah, the kiss. Yeah. Can I kiss you? Yeah. <laughs> And poor name it, man. Again, you put a drunk guy on, on TV. I mean, you know, something like that. Can I don't happen, think. Right? I don't think. Well, okay, forget it. We don't want to go over that again. PJ's got a list: Mike Patrick, Jill Theismann, and Dan McGuire. Don, it was a Dan or Don McGuire. It's Al McGuire. No, uh, uh, Paul McGuire. Paul McGuire were the best oh, yeah, announcers Paul McGuire ever. Was solid. Yeah, he says those three were the best uh, after. Uh, Cosell, Gifford, and Meredith. That's yeah. Patrick Theismann and McGuire were excellent. Uh, McGuire trio. was also excellent with Dick Enberg and Phil Sims. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did uh, Super Bowl thirty and on, Super Bowl thirty two on NBC. Did the AFC title games uh, for NBC then? Yeah, he was great. He yeah. was great. I think he died actually. Didn't yeah, I think he passed. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll look up where when he left us. But yeah, I. Uh, there's been a lot of good crews over time, but it, it, it sometimes gets overlooked because there's so many bad ones too. <laughs> I like, and I hate that. You know, he's never going to get a chance again. I liked Tom Brenneman. I, I thought Tom was better at baseball than the mm-hmm. NFL, but he didn't suck on Fox. Uh, he, of course he gave us the Holy Moses, mm-hmm. <laughs> Connor Barton, <laughs> but I, I liked Brenneman. I thought he set up the color guy and he knew what he was talking about. And because what he said, which was bad on the Reds broadcast, he's never going to get a jo- job ever again. It's like he has to die now. Mm-hmm. And that's so unfortunate that he's got to go away forever. Like, you know who I, I don't like? And he's on Fox now. For years, he when he left CBS, they had him on Fox just doing college games. And now they got him doing the pro games because he screams every fucking play. It can be first and 10, David Montgomery with a gain of two, and he's screaming like it's Doug Flutie in the Hail Mary against fucking Miami the day after Thanksgiving in 1984 uh, is Gus Johnson. He screams every fucking play (laughs) and makes himself bigger than the fucking game. (laughs) Yeah, he he needs a little coaching on that. But, I mean, everyone seems to like him, though, but he makes the broadcast about him versus the game, in my opinion. James Foster says he liked Alex Karras also, who did, I think, about three, four seasons of Monday Night Football, I want to say. Karras was pretty good. I mean, he went on to uh, become an even better motion picture actor, Blazing Saddles, Victor Victoria, among his uh, many films. 
But Karis wasn't bad. Did you ever get a chance to listen to Karis do Monday Night I Football? I did not. I yeah. did not. I was going to ask you one. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but uh, and after the 88 season, NBC brought over a guy from CBS. I can't remember his name. And so this guy had been producing Madden and Summerall. Mm -hmm. So he went to NBC and he was like, I don't like Merlin Olson. I hate Merlin Olson. Mm -hmm. He's not John Madden. I don't like him. So they, they demoted Merlin to the number two team and he hired Bill Walsh. And Bill Walsh was worked with Enberg for three years. And right after that season, Merlin got out of his deal and then went to CBS and was the number two guy there for a couple of years before retiring. But um, do you remember Bill Walsh? Because I know oh. you like him as a coach. Did you like him as a broadcaster? Love him as a coach. Absolutely love him, but he just was not a good announcer. You know, it's a, a skill set that not even if you're brilliant at coaching and at playing, you know, there's some can do the broadcasting thing and some people can't. Bill just didn't have the on air charisma uh do you disagree with that i i thought he was okay but he shouldn't have been doing the number one game no way I, i'd tell you somebody now that i think is bad like it's not just because his grammar is bad but you can barely understand what he's saying i don't i mean there's again he's got to have fans because he's on he did the minutes i think he did a minnesota game this week is a keen to leave god he's awful <laughs> i mean he is really bad i like i can only understand like two uh, two out of every 10 words he says he doesn't speak clearly and and he i, I just i can't understand him I, I i don't it's like you're at a bar like you're in the bar room and he's drunk well uh, then maybe i can understand them <laughs> um james foster says that alex Karras's 1978 book even big guys cry is a pretty good read with a lot of uh, some inside stuff he says so that's um, cool. That's really cool. I love going to old bookstores and seeing if I can find some of these books uh, because they're so hard, hard to find, even on Amazon. Now. I mean, you can go to Amazon, though, you know, used bookstore, bad condition, 50 bucks. Come on. Jeez. Yeah. I, if you can get that ESPN book, you should read it, though. Yeah. You know what? And I, I want to say that I might have a copy around here. I got to look first before I go off and buy one, but I definitely want to read that book and i've been dying to for isn't it a, a like a big five six hundred page thing yeah, yeah. And it's riveting yeah i bet you i'm a slow reader when i read typically because especially if it's something like heavy you know like i'm reading the watergate mm -hmm. transcripts or you know something on the kennedy assassination mm -hmm. i almost read it twice sometimes just to make sure i'm comprehending what they're putting down yeah, you know same here yeah. and like context so i'm like my grandma was someone could read an entire book in a day. Mm -hmm. And I can't because, like I said, I'm focused on everything. But that ESPN book, I bet I ran through that in three days. Mm -hmm. And I'm a slow reader. And it was so good and just so easy to read. I, Because it was like, it's like you're on a podcast and you can hear the voices of what you're reading. Because you know all the players. Yeah, right. So it was just, it was so fun and it was just complete dirt. It was, it was like rumor and innuendo of all the bullshit, all the stuff that had going on at ESPN and everyone talking. I am, uh, and I, I, I'd listened to every word you were saying, but I was also doing a quick Google search because AC Adams says that Tlaib's the reason for the new taunting rule. And do you recall 
Aqib Talib being uh, involved with some personal file that he committed on purpose or something like that Mm-mm. that led to this? Yeah. Um, AC Adam, if you could send some more information on that, because I'm interested in finding out what is the root cause of this fucking taunting rule that's going to ruin my game of football. <laughs> so uh, that's, this is a fascinating topic about uh, the broadcasters of football and, and, you know, and ESPN. I mean, we could talk for eons about ESPN. Maybe one day during the offseason of Bears, we, we should dedicate a whole show talking to ESPN and maybe bring in the writer of that ESPN book or or people who, who are uh, aware of the subject so that we could ask some questions. Because I love talking about this stuff with, with television, sports, and, and, uh, uh, and the personalities involved. It's great stuff. Hey, do you mind real quick? I loaded up a video that's supposed to be of Talit. Well, let me make sure it, it's supposed to be Talib's commentary. Yeah. Play, play it, it. I just want you to hear if you didn't know it. I don't know if this guy is just going to talk about it. If it's his opinion, I don't mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see if it's going to actually play. Yeah. Hold on. Let me get to another one. I just. Okay. This says Akeem's uh, Talib's best calls. Deep third, he just has to cover the deep third, man. Look at my staff. I'm excited about that early bomb. <laughs> it sounds like let's see if he made a football move. Let's see. Let's see. One, two, three. So I guess it is a catch. That's three steps. As bang, bang. It is a bang, bang. Bang, bang, you can't overrule it. So this may be Detroit football. I don't know, man. Like I said, that didn't sound too bad, but yeah, I was listening bad. to him Sunday. I was like, I can't understand what he's saying. Is he drunk? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what was up with him. I thought he was bad on Sunday. Laz is reminding me of Lindsey Nelson doing the Notre Dame games on Sunday morning. There was a replay of the Notre Dame games. They they would edit uh, down the highlights, and Lindsey Nelson every morning would go, we go on now to further action for because they edited out a bunch of stuff. But yeah, that's why I fell in love with Notre Dame football was because I'd wake up and before or after I went to church, I'd, I'd, I'd watch Notre Dame football highlights with Lindsey Nelson, the announcer. You have, do you recall Lindsey Nelson at all, Dan? I don't, I definitely don't like Notre Dame and I don't like college football. So, no. Oh. All right, we're getting some information here of the Talib thing. The NFL fined Talib twenty-six thousand uh, dollars for two infractions: a taunting penalty and a brutal face mask on Panthers receiver Corey Brown in the first half of the Broncos' twenty-four to ten triumph. This uh, uh, courtesy of Deborah Miller. Thank you, Deborah. But yeah, apparently uh, that might have been this taunting rule might be known as the Talib rule or or Talib is going to get a Razzie award for worst announcing. Well, ever, I think he's bad, man. I really do. Have you ever followed the Razzie awards that give awards to the worst movies? I don't follow them like when they happen, but I, I read it a lot whenever mm-hmm. I'm like going to Wikipedia and looking up a movie, man, a I, lot of times something I watch and they'll be like, uh, you know, reception, this person got you know, Razzie that year. Right. That stuff's interesting, you know? I think that should be televised by one of the major networks. Let's replace the Academy Awards with the Razzie Awards. And a lot of times the the stars who are nominated for the Razzies, they show up. They, you know, they take it with good humor and, and they, they joke around about it. 
I, I think this should be mainstream entertainment. We love to talk about movies that we hate just as much as we love talking about movies that we love. So let's, uh, I need to become a TV producer and bring the Razzies to ABC TV and say goodbye <laughs> to the Academy Awards of four hours of boredom. That would be okay. But did you see yesterday or Sunday at the, the Emmys, Kate Winslet won for mayor from Easttown. I'm glad to hear that. I did not watch that. Uh, my wife recorded it and I, I said, I'm not going to sit through that. So I, I don't know who won, who lost or anything. So great news, Kate Winslet. All right. I, I got another thing before we go back to the bears. Mm -hmm. um, the a show I highly recommend it again, someone like you, someone like me, you've gone through a divorce. Mm-hmm. At some point in your life, I've only watched one episode, two have aired. HBO has a show right now called Scenes from a Marriage. Now, it may be directed toward a female demographic in nature, mm -hmm. but to me, it is so realistic. The dialogue is something that that's what the character would really say. And in the first episode, if you don't mind me telling you real quick. No, please go ahead. One couple is Polly, like we were talking about earlier. And the girl has had her heart broken because she was fucking another guy and he dumped her. Mm -hmm. So the husband's like, yeah, but fuck it. I'm your husband. You should still be happy. And they're at this dinner and she's like, you know, fuck that. I'm not letting that go. The only reason we've done this poly shit's because you had an affair to begin with. And the only reason you're upset now is because I had some feelings for somebody else. And my feelings are valid. So don't, don't fucking, you know, denigrate my emotions. So they got that one story. You got another one where a couple's been together for years and they're seemingly happy. The girl at 40 gets accidentally pregnant. And the guy's saying all the right things, but she has an abortion. And uh, he, of course, is being supportive. But deep down, you know, in the audience that he wanted that baby. And then he's trying to be supportive of his wife. And then she asks him to leave. She's like, I'll take an Uber. Can I please just be alone? And as soon as he leaves, she starts crying. Uh, she felt so guilty already. She didn't want to do it, but felt like she's too old. I don't know what her exact reasoning was. But you just see all these, this myriad of emotions. If you can handle it, it's so heavy. It's real, though. It just feels like you're watching other people's lives mm -hmm. and it seems like it's legitimately when they're arguing or something, it just, it doesn't seem over the top. It seems like something you could put yourself in and be like, damn, I get that. I've been there. Yeah. I, and I think I told you that this is based on a, a Swedish uh, TV series done by the famous Swedish director Ingmar Bergman, and it really yeah. Brandy watched that old movie by accident when I told her about the story. Oh, okay. She thought uh, she was watching what I asked her to watch, and she watched the movie. And then she went back and watched the show too. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say. I mean, it, it was critically acclaimed. Uh, it was released theatrically here in the United States, and I want to say this was the 1970s. Um, but I think much, it was 72 from what I read. Yeah, 72, 73. Uh, and so I've never seen that because it was uh, so distressing from all the reviews I read. Fine, great piece of art, but just not, don't, you know, it's very, very difficult to 
get into something that is so emotionally devastating. Not to say that I always shy away from movies like that, but if they're long, you know, like it's a multi-part series, it's like, why do I want to go through that? I actually lived it my first two marriages. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I liked it. It's only an hour, an hour episode. Yeah, and great. Uh, and great if you can actors. give it a chance to see what you think, I think it's so good. Right, and and the the talent is is really good. Uh, the uh, Oscar Isaac plays the lead, and he's good friends with Jessica Chastain. And when he got the script, he said, "I'll only play this with one actor who I know I can trust and I feel can do a good job with this." And that's Jessica Chastain. I read that in an Entertainment Weekly article. Uh, so I am really interested in it. And I, I probably will give it a chance maybe once the football season is over. Um, but, um, yeah, it's uh, that's that's a tough watch, man. Definitely a tough it, watch. It is heavy. Like I said, it's heavy. But if you can just give it a go, I think you could get hooked on it. And one more thing I wanted to tell you about on there, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. I watched an old horror film today. That I'd never heard of before until recently. And it was just a lady that I had talked to on Facebook dating mm -hmm. that I actually never like met, mm -hmm. you know, but we talked about horror movies and stuff. And cause that was her thing. And I was like, yeah, man, I love movies in general, but yeah, I like horror movies. And she was like, my, one of my favorite horror movies is obscure from the early eighties. It's called alone in the dark. And I was like, I'd never heard of that, you know? And then like, I'm telling you two days later, I got an email from shout factory. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with shout factory. They, they take, older movies and put them on blu-ray and put all kinds of bonus features usually they interview like the cast and uh it's a it's a cool thing never heard of so it. it's called shout factory they have another division called scream factory when they do the horror films typically mm -hmm. but so they sent me an email showing the list of their upcoming blu-ray releases and wouldn't you know it alone in the dark was right there mm -hmm. so i was like wow okay so i'm gonna pre-order this so i did it came in i started watching it you have jack palance as like the lead villain mm -hmm. and it's based off like a story in New York, like where, uh, you know how they have like a blackout and the whole town goes fucking black. Mm -hmm. So they're in like an insane asylum where Donald Pleasant. Played... I'm sorry. I'm playing a, the trailer on it and they're showing sex. No, there was no sex in the movie alone in the dark. Yeah, there was no sex in the movie. That's not the same movie. Alone in the Dark, 1982, official trailer. I didn't see any sex in the movie, and I watched it today. <laughs> I, don't but, see, uh, I don't see Jack Palance either. It must be a different Alone in the Dark. Let me get this off the screen because it's going to be. Donald, Donald Pleasance, who played the doctor in Halloween, is playing like this psychologist who's like, you know, you can reason with all these guys. They don't, you know, society is crazy, not the people. It's kind of, mm -hmm. and that was based on some guy that really said that in like Rolling Stone in the late seventies or something. And so they wrote the story based upon that and like a big blackout in New York city. So there's a blackout at this facility, which kills like their security system and four psychos are allowed to walk out because there's no power. And because there's a blackout, the people are going nuts and looting the stores and shit anyway. So the psychos just fit right in. And Jack Palance is one of them, which is kind of odd. Like I said, uh, and they're, you know, he's convinced that one of the doctors, because they have, they have a new doctor there, he's convinced in his head because he's schizophrenic that he killed the old doctor. Mm -hmm. So he's like, he's going to kill us too. So he, they want to go to the doctor's house 
and kill he, he and his whole family because he's convinced he killed the other doctor. And uh, that sounds a little thin, but in when the context of the movie, it makes sense when you watch it. Uh, again, for an old, early 80s movie, it was the first ever movie produced by New Line Cinema. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really cool, man. Like I was, I'll have to I was check happy it out. with it. Uh, it felt like a Twilight Zone episode. Jack Shoulder is a director who has done a couple of movies I've liked in the past, and uh, Donald Pleasance, Martin Landau, Jack Palance are all in it. And the cl- the the trailer that I was playing is in fact the movie you were referring to. And there is a scene where a young couple uh, are. Ha- I didn't remember there being nudity in it. Maybe there was. I I know they they got killed, but I didn't think that they actually showed any nudity. They, yeah, somebody's ass was sticking out there for a second, so I was startled oh. by that, but. In any case, I will definitely check that out. And Larry Golden is in the uh, chat, and he's asking, have we seen, have you seen, I haven't, uh, Ted Lasso? No. I, have you heard the raves about it? I mean, everybody who watches this loves it, whether they're a conservative, a, a, a liberal, whether they're I don't know what it black. is. What is it? Ted Lasso is, well, Laro uh, has the description right here. Football coach from America gets a job to coach a soccer team in England. It's hilarious with Jason Sudeikis, who uh, was on Saturday played Night. Played Joe Biden. He played Joe Biden. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it's you going- just got schooled. Biden style. <laughs> <laughs> Back when he was the vice president uh, debating Sarah Palin. Right. right. And he's going on to have a nice uh, movie career. He's doing very well. And so everybody talks about Ted Lasso. It's available on Apple TV, which is why I haven't seen it because I don't have access yeah, to man. Apple TV. But I got to get access because everybody loves Ted Lasso. Everybody. I mean, I have not heard a ill word about Ted Lasso. Then the other thing, uh, uh, Stephen Nagishi says, we have to play Paul Allen's call of the Vikings missed field goal NFL. Yeah, I shared this. uh, Shane uh, Marsaw shared it, and I, I, I shared it based off his tweet. All right, here it comes. High snap, put down. Joseph, come on! It is good! Are you kidding me? He missed it right. He missed it right. Oh, my heavens. Oh. Oh, my. This, he missed it right. What a gut punch to a team. (laughs) What a gut punch to your career. (laughs) That guy's really arrogant anyway, that Paul Allen guy. (laughs) Oh, that is good. That is really good. (laughs) Good call, Stephen. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, James Foster says, that's all, though, finding porn anywhere. You're kidding, man. Porn follows me. I was watching Taxi Driver the other night. I know it's a movie that you don't particularly think is. I don't dislike it. I just think it's overrated. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I love that movie. I love it first and foremost because of the score. Bernard Herrmann's last movie score. That music is just hypnotic. And I love uh, the dialogue and the monologue in it. You know, uh, Robert De Niro as Travis Bickle saying things like, loneliness has followed me everywhere, in bars and cars and trains, everywhere. I'm God's lonely man. I mean, that is just super, super stuff, man. And and something that I think a lot of us guys can relate to, you know, 
uh, <laughs> poor Travis Pickle is trying to pick up Sybil Shepherd, and he takes her on a date to a porno movie, and, he, and she's like, "What are you doing?" I, I, it's just a, a great fucking movie, and uh, ends with a a, a a a scene of tremendous violence and horror. Uh, I, I thought it was a good movie, but you're you're not into that shit right no i I like uh, you know i'm not anti i obviously like de niro and i like scorsese but i just thought that was an okay movie it was it was okay i just didn't love it it was have you seen it just once i've seen it probably three or four times over the years okay but at first the first time i saw it i was pretty young i was probably like 12 Mm -hmm. and then i rewatched it again maybe at like 17 then i probably watched it again at like 30 Mm-hmm. I guess is I'm I'm guess I've probably seen it three times, mm-hmm. and the last time I had watched it, I was like, man, I kind of had forgotten everything about it, and saw it through a different lens as an adult. But I still thought it was just okay. It wasn't, it wasn't Goodfellas. It wasn't Casino. It was it was okay. It wasn't just it wasn't my favorite movie. Yeah, I don't know. I like movies about psychos. That's probably why I like hanging out with you. <laughs> um the factor joins us and he says according to ex head uh team nfl dr david chow andy dalton's bone bruise isn't like a normal bruise his femur and tibia smashed damaging the cartilage uh dalton must rest for at least a month says dr chow so yeah that is what i heard too is that uh, because Greg Gabriel on Monday says I had never heard a bone of a bone bruise before? Well, apparently it is a real thing, and it's basically what happens is when two bones have have hit each other, and so it causes a, a bruise. And that's- well, why would they have ruled? Why would the PR people say it's his job? If he was going to play, if he wasn't going to play next week, I think that what they are doing is playing head games with the Browns. They don't want the Browns to think that Justin Fields is definitely starting next week. They want the they being the Bears want the Browns to prepare for both quarterbacks. Spend a two three hours looking at Dalton tape, and spend you know equal amount of time looking at Justin Fields. It gives them a, a slight competitive advantage. That's the only thing I can think of, and I think it's smart to do that. Well, I hope that he's okay. Like, even if, you know, I don't want to wish any ill will on Andy, but I kind of hope that we can say that we were at Fields' first start, whether that be Sunday or the the next Sunday. So we'll have, you know, a cool moment together, you know, we were at Fields' first ever start, you know? Fucking A. I, I, I mean, I've always been excited at the fact that we're going to go to Cleveland to watch this game. I am, it, it, it's almost impossible to say that I'm even more excited, but I am because it's Justin Fields. He's going to start. He's going to start. And if he has a great game, he's going to start again in Detroit, and we can talk to our grandchildren and write uh, our memoirs about we were there for Justin Fields' first two starts. That's fucking awesome, well, man. You need, you need to, to go back on your rule and buy a number one jersey. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. You need to wear a Fields jersey at the game. I I thought about it, actually, when I was in that store. There were some nice ones, but I I can't do it. I got a nice Justin Fields T-shirt that I'll wear the night before the game or something like that. But I I, I just have this rule. 
I, I actually have a Trubisky jersey that someone gave me as a gift. So if anybody wants to give me as a gift, a Justin Fields jersey. <laughs> <laughs> He's, are you yearning for that? No, 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 no. You know, here's the other thing. I I don't like the number one in the Chicago Bears font. It Just a straight line like that, that just doesn't feel like it's the number one. They should change the I font. I was glad he wasn't number eight because, like, McNown, Rex, you know, like Mike Glennon. Vince I, I Evans know. wore number eight, and he was a damn good quarterback. Should've. And in that game in 1977, I sent you this, he was returning kicks. Yes, he was. I mean, the guy was a super athlete. Oh, man, he should have had a longer, much more prosperous career here. Well, why was it? Remind me why he left. He went to the USFL, right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, and plus they drafted McMahon and had a new administration come in being with Ditka. Yeah. Uh, so Too bad. I, yeah, I, you know, Jay Hood from Cap and Jay Hood, that was his guy, was Vince Evans oh. as a kid. Yeah, I mean, I loved the guy. He was a yeah, movie star, good looks, was from USC, had a cannon for an arm. He had all this mobility in the pocket. He was a smart guy. I, he had everything going for himself, and he had good games with the Chicago Bears. And just when it seems like he's progressing and, and going to be you know, a top-tier quarterback or close to that, bring in Jim McMahon. So he says, fuck that, I'm going to go to USFL. And he does say... I'd love to interview Vince Evans, but he has been quoted as saying that he regrets that he left the NFL because he he, he thinks it, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, retarded his career. Hey, real quick, I was looking at Cleveland for Sunday. Mm -hmm. This is what we're looking at. 18-mile-per-hour wind gust. This is courtesy of AccuWeather.com. 18-mile-per-hour mm -hmm. wind gust, 11%, I don't know where they get 11%, from 11% chance of a thunderstorm. Otherwise partly sunny and 70. Nice. That's pretty fucking good. Partly sunny, 70, but windy and a chance of a thunderstorm. So that's what we're looking at Sunday. That is I nice. I mean, 70 is pretty fucking good. Yeah. It's not cold. It's, it's not hot. You're sort of right in the middle, man. Like I, if it doesn't rain, I think it's probably perfect weather. Unless that, unless that wind is just hectic. You think Brandy will want to go to a titty bar with you and me? <laughs> I I think uh, Brandy's you know I think Brandy would like I don't want to misquote her but I think she's a fan of ladies too. Knowing what she talked about that on on the show. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think Brandy likes a good set of titties too. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so, uh, she probably would. Brandy's cool, man. Yeah, she's cool. She is. Can't wait to meet her. Um, all right, let's start wrapping things up. <laughs> Brandy says yes. See? She's in the chat room. Yes. She's fucking cool, man. <laughs> uh, I wanted to say before we go, man, mm -hmm. the defense, I don't know if I've ever seen three straight interceptions on three plays in any game at any level, I'm anywhere. Glad, I'm glad you brought that up because that was pretty amazing. Yes, it was. I mean, uh, so we got the pick six from Roquan. Uh, Johnson's interception was great too, where mm -hmm. he jumped the route. Like he, he knew what was coming. And then, uh, uh, Angelo Blackcock got an interception. Blackcock. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was, was your, fun, man. Who was your friend? You said you had a friend who had a huge, huge, my friend Antoine has a huge fucking cock. Yeah. Like I said, he was fucking a lady at my house and, uh, two, actually two at the same time. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know who he was. Yeah, they were both. They were both in there. It was a three-way, you know. <laughs> and uh, one of the white girls comes running out and starts crying, uh, saying that his dick was too big that it just devastated her vagina. She couldn't take it. <laughs> Chubbs wants to know if, if you're gonna suck me off or Brandy off. Hey, if it comes to oral sex, it's going to be me eating brandy. It's no offense to Aldo. Like, the dicks can stay where they belong <laughs> they, and they, not in each other's mouths. <laughs> they will be. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Let <laughs> me just right. say that I have nothing against gay men. I just, it's not. So what? I don't like to suck dick. So what? Yeah. So what? Yeah. I, I can't get into that either. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm not homophobic in any way. At least me I don't neither. think I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I, I just happen to like women. That's all. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, anything else you want to share before we pull the plug on this episode of Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls? Well, I think if we only got five minutes or so, it's worth mentioning uh, how good the defense was on that day, because especially for someone like me who's critical about them, um, there was the big play at the, you know, the big scoring play that looked like something from the Rams game when Eddie Jackson came over and hit Duke Shelley. Uh, and knocked him off the man. I forget the Bengals receiver. What difference does it make? Mm -hmm. But uh, beyond that, the defense was pretty buttoned up that day. They had a bunch of sacks. Mm -hmm. You had a bunch of interceptions. I mean, like I said, it felt like a Ditka game. Akeem Hicks flying around. Quinn was doing well. Uh, Khalil Mack had a sack. Uh, do I think he was, like, wrecking the game? No, but at least he had a sack. Uh, Akeem Hicks looked really good. Uh, mm -hmm. Jalen Johnson looked really good. Mm -hmm. Duke Shelley looked really awful. Yep. Uh, Eddie Jackson had that nice play where he came in and blew up a run and forced a turnover. But other than that, he still looked suspect. And actually, the one post game that I listened to briefly uh, was the, the WGN one with uh, Glenn Kozlowski and Dan Hampton and Ed O'Branovich. Uh, Glenn says, from his perspective, Glenn thinks that Eddie has lost a significant step. He says he looks extremely slow out there hmm. for a safety. He's like, you he's like you combine with somebody that doesn't want a contact with the fact that uh, he's shy about contact and suddenly he's lost a step. He's like, man, that's a bad combination for the Bears back there, and he's playing terribly. That's what Glenn said. Yeah, I don't think he played terribly at all in the Bengals. He made a couple of mistakes, one being uh, tackling uh, uh, Kendall Vildor as opposed to Jamar Chase on that. Touchdown. I thought that was Duke. Was that was that Kendall? Oh, my bad then. Well, maybe maybe you're right. Shell. I think it is. I think it was Duke. It was one of those two young guys. Uh, but it, it was Eddie Jackson that you know could have prevented that touchdown but aside from that he had a forced fumble or tackle a right. tackle for a loss uh, so he i thought he played fairly well by the way the factor says dan please please go to the game with positive energy oh i i do i think every time i watch i think i'm coming up with ways in my head that the bears are going to win mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the same way i'll go to and i'm not going to leave even if it's a blowout i don't want to oh, leave no fucking way i stay until the ushers say get the fuck out um it could be 37 to three in the fourth and I'm going to be like, come on, man, let's stay. Yeah, for sure. Although I, there's something I got to tell you about that. You, you probably don't know, but I'll tell you about it off here. Um, that might complicate things for us while we're there, but I'll tell you that, uh, as soon as we get off the air here. Yeah. Now I'm afraid. Is it something <laughs> like, is it bad? No, I'll tell you what it is. So here's the deal. Um, 
Let me read this first. Deborah Miller says, I hope this defense shows up against the Packers. Hopefully Fields will be ready, and hopefully Nagy doesn't call plays all scared. I'm with you, Deborah. Um, so after Bears games, I do Bear football with um, Tyler and John Buffon immediately sure. afterwards. Well, I can't do it because I'm going to be at the game. And so I asked Joe Mandel right. to fill in as uh, the host for me, and he – said he was but now he can't so i'm trying come to on two scoops <laughs> he saw you're he's... joey one scoop now you're joey one scoop so one option that i have uh is that we push the show back a couple of hours and that way it gives us time to get a bite to eat get get over to the hotel and then we me you tyler and john do the bear football show so that's, okay that's an option Okay, sounds good to me. All right, I just you know you know I just cuts into. I love our... the Gaines report. Yeah, he's awesome. He's the, awesome. He's with positive energy. Yeah, so that's that probably... guy should be fucking selling videos to people. Like, you know, what's that famous guy that does that shit? The the positive stuff. Oh, um, 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 it's not Tony Tony Robbins. Yeah, right? Tony Robbins. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Like, like he seems like a phony to me, but Gaines like. Gaines report makes me like think, well, fuck, maybe I should go for a tryout. <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> yeah, like, oh, man, he's, he's so positive though. Like I wish I had that disposition. I, I truly do. <laughs> so I'd like interacting with him because I feel like I'm a better guy for having been around that positive energy. I'm not saying that sarcastically at no, all. No, I agree with you. Uh, Gaines came over to my house a year ago and I, fucking fell in love with that positive energy i mean i was ready to start to, to is start he from going. chicago uh no he's out uh east in uh oh. a lot closer to you than he is to me oh i was hoping i could meet him then but uh he's in oh well. he's in the virginia area okay um i'm trying to find out what uh brandy's having a conversation with people here she, i'm trying to figure out what What's going on here? Is she cheating on you already? <laughs> Brandy can fuck who Brandy wants, and I'll still fuck Brandy. <laughs> uh, we'll get to the bottom of this in Cleveland, Brandy. <laughs> Brandy's a good-looking lady. Oh, and she's nice. Brandy. She's fun. Can't wait so, to see her. Yeah, man. She's fun. She's She really is fun. You'll like her. All right. Well, maybe uh, we'll... Uh, We'll have an orgy in my house. See if my <laughs> see if my wife is into that. <laughs> God, I, I'm not touching that because I'm going to have to shake your wife's hand or at least say it's great to meet you. And I can't be thinking the back of my head. Well, boy, he's talking about doing some that. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, amigo. Um, I uh, we could have gone another two hours, but I I got an early call tomorrow, so I have got to pull the plug on. Well, this. real quickly, then, what was the alternative if you didn't do the Bears post game? You said that's one option. Well, that's one option is to do it two hours late with me, you going back to the hotel room and doing it with those guys. So that's the first uh, option. The second option is to ask a couple of the other guys here who are trained to do the show to see if they can possibly fill in for Joe, who was going to fill in for me. Um, but uh, if, uh, if you don't mind doing it barefoot, no, I'll do it. It'd be great. Yeah. Let's do it. Then we'll, uh, we'll have 
unfortunately that hotel doesn't have room service so we'll we'll, we'll have something delivered we'll, we'll there's no room service and it costs 40 dollars a day to park <laughs> <laughs> that's right I, hell i thought maybe a woman was going to come powder my balls for me <laughs> Oh, it's going to be a blast. And I promise you guys that um, I'm I'm getting there Friday. And so I'm going to check out the Wi-Fi connection. I'm going to set some stuff up. And then when when Dan arrives on Saturday, uh, maybe Dan and I will come on to a stream yard late Saturday night and, and do an hour or two hours with Brandy. On, on You want to do that before the game or after? Um, I think we should do it after the Indians and White Sox. Was that a seven o'clock? Seven o'clock start. Yeah, seven o'clock start. So you know, we'll, we don't have to stay for all nine innings, especially since the. No, no, that's fine. I'll stay for all nine innings. I was just thinking, I'm projecting us to be there probably like three p.m. ish. Right, that's what you told me. So you arrive at three. We'll get a bite to eat, saunter over to the ballpark, enjoy a few innings, maybe nine innings if it's a good game, and then uh, maybe we get back to the hotel room and. Uh, and come on to StreamYard and talk to people. Well, no, they got the Bulls one-on-one show. Sorry, sorry, Laro, I didn't forget about you. But we'll we'll figure it out. So maybe we'll do it before the. Uh, do you have a headset for me? Do I need to bring that? No, I, I got you, I got you covered. I got everything you need. Okay, okay, cool. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a blast, and we'll be. Yeah, I'm looking Twitter forward to it, uh, and I hope everyone seems to think that the Bears have no shot, and I hope that that's not true. Every time I fight, people you know argue against critics and say the bear oh the bears have a shot today god damn. we always lose so i'm not gonna argue i just i just hope for the best all right let's do it man all right for uh all of us here at the barroom network thank you for watching this silly show called dan and all the bear their souls um we really enjoy dan and i really enjoy watching it or not watching it i've never watched it actually do you ever watch the show on video dan no if if i go back to it i listen to it on itunes really when i'm working out or something you know so you've never seen the show on video, not one never. episode. No, not once. Wow. I, I, it's more convenient for me to listen to it. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. But you could, in, instead of watching one of the movies when you're at nine one one, you could be watching your. Uh, I'm static, a no, I don't. I, uh, you know how the image. stuff. I know you want to wrap it up, but the stuff that we talk about in here, which is so fun, mind you. At least I hope everyone else thinks it's fun. The sex stuff. I would be kind of ashamed for the people I have to look at and work at every day. I don't want them to know what I've done, you know, and things like that. So I don't want them to be like, Dan loves eating pussy or whatever. Like I, the women I work with, that would mortify me. So I can't watch that kind of shit at work. There's no way. I work with a lot of women. It's embarrassing enough when I have to go take a shit for God's sake. <laughs> it's weird. It's funny because there's a lot of shit here that I say that, man, oh, my wife didn't hear me say that. <laughs> Yeah, see, it's what I'm, you know. She could so... be waiting for me at the top of the stairs when I go, you're talking about having an orgy with Dan and Randy. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Let her know that came from you and not me. <laughs> She'll be like, tell that fucking guy he's not welcome here. <laughs> ah, that is funny. All right, brother. Uh, we'll uh, we'll talk uh, via text uh, later. You're, so you're not going to work tonight. You got the day no, off. No, no. I was supposed to be going to Nine Inch Nails tonight, so I'm off tonight. I was supposed to go to Cleveland tonight, but COVID canceled it. And then I was going to be off tomorrow night from there because I just wanted to recharge my batteries. So I'm off tonight and tomorrow. And I was already off Friday night and Saturday from there because of the the Bears and Browns. So 
yeah, so I only have to work one more 911 day this whole week, a Thursday into Friday. I've, I've got radio every day, but only one more 911 shift. So I've only got 43 hours this week compared to 77 last week. So oh, Jesus, man, you are terrible. Last week, I was fucking dead. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. Working those kind of hours. Yeah, it was. It's tough, man. But anyway, I know you want to wrap it up. So yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting you. Like I said on the text last night, I sent you. I was like, look, man, if you can't go to the Rock and Roll of Fame, it's all good. I dropped thirty dollars on your ticket. It's thirty dollars. If you can't go, it's okay. I'm not gonna be pissy over that. I hope you can go. Uh, it really would be fun because I feel like, you know, we're gonna see like the greatest musicians ever, like having displays and stuff. It's gonna be pretty fucking cool man. Oh, man and it's on my so, bucket list so if i yeah, don't go so i'll I hope be you crying can go, on the way home and we got the game we got the baseball game it's gonna be it's gonna be great man it is. and just getting to hang out with you in person is gonna be awesome man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and then right afterwards we've got godfather 2 right around the corner the sequel you got so, it you got it. it's gonna be like godfather 1 and 2 they're both gonna be great <laughs> i love it <laughs> all right brother we'll talk to you uh soon okay all right you be well aldo all right bye-bye We'll be right